Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Yeah. It's fun to stay at the Y. M. C. A. Yeah. All right. We did it. <laughs> fireworks. Wow. We should have done Why Katie were there Perry's fireworks. fireworks. That's what we should have done. Because <laughs> baby, you're a. Fireworks. <laughs> fireworks? Why is it yeah, plural all of a sudden? Baby, baby, you're a fireworks. Baby, you are fireworks. Oh, oh the you be. are fireworks. Okay. That's what we're changing it to. Oh, oh the Weird Al version. Welcome, everyone, to an episode of The Command Zone. This is episode 99. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And we are very close to episode 100. How exciting. Super exciting. And speaking of episode 100... We're live streaming it. We are live streaming it. So, this is the episode where we're supposed to announce the time. And the deets. Yep. So, March 12th is when the live stream is going to take place. And we've decided on a time... 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so that's the West Coast. If you guys do not know what that is in your time zone, you can go to Google and type in 12 PST and then type in whatever your time zone is, and Google will just figure it out. I'll tell you right now, uh, Eastern Time, it's going to be 3 p.m. 3 p.m., that's right. In uh, Central Time, it'll be... 2 p.m.? Yep. 2 p.m., yeah. And if you're in London, it's going to be 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Look at that. And Mountain, it's 1 p.m. No one lives in Mountain. No I love Mountain. <laughs> Basic it's, Mountain? That's my jam. All you goats listening to this. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be on Twitch? Uh, yes. It's going to be on Twitch.tv slash Rocket Jump. It's going to be on Rocket Jump's channel. So if you guys want to check it out, it's going to be very simple. Just uh, go to twitch.tv slash Rocket Jump. And we'll have the links in the description box below. We will be tweeting it out and, and posting it wherever we can at all times. Right. It's going to go for about two hours. Uh, so if you're anytime from noon to about 2 p.m., stop by. We're going to be giving away a bunch of stuff. Yep. We're going to be hanging out, answering questions, having a good old time. So if any part of that you can make, you should you should make. Yeah, it's going to be a fun celebration. So again, March 12th, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hopefully our two guests tonight can make it. Well, I'm going to take time off from work to do it. Oh, right. On Saturday? You work on Saturdays? Oh, I didn't realize 12th was a Saturday. <laughs> March so, 12th is a Saturday. And yes, it is a Saturday. If I worked on Saturday, I would take the time oh, off. Oh, very nice, very nice. Would so, you actually take the day off of work, or would you just stop working for a little bit and like 
still get paid, but but go on to our Twitch channel. Oh, I would probably take the day off because I would need to recover from it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, from all the prizes he won, clearly. Absolutely. <laughs> so we have two special guests on tonight. We have Phil DeLuca at Ketchak from Commanderin or the Commanderin podcast. Howdy. Howdy. Ooh, nice. I like howdy and how's it. It's a strong Boy, combo. howdy. Howdy. How's it? Howdy. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Is and, that the Montana accent? Yeah. Okay. We're back to Montana. Montana, Montana. Man, we're getting close to those those goat, those mountain goats. Uh, and we have Andy Hull, a.k.a. at Handy, Andy Hullbone, uh, part of the Commander's Brew podcast. Oh, hey, what's going on? Hello, hello, hello. I don't know what to do <laughs> now. I'm just talking to Phil Space. It started with an H, so you're good. <laughs> okay, good. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Um, Andy's in town for a couple more weeks until March 8th. That's right. Phil lives in L.A., lives. and we decided to have the uh, what Josh has deemed the Commander Summit. Mm-hmm. It's this the Commander Summit. summit. Yeah. yeah. We're making changes tonight, boys. We're talking about changes, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, none will be made. Nope. We're going to impotently talk about what we would do if we were in charge of things, but we're not. <laughs> when I'm president, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I, we first should say if you listen to our podcast, and for some reason you don't listen to these other two podcasts, so Commander in or Commander's Brew, I don't understand why. Because <laughs> yeah. we clearly like Commander content. Uh, these and guys the more are the merrier. Yeah, these guys have been friends of ours, and I'm fans of both their shows. Uh, so definitely go check out Commanderin. Where can we find that, Phil? You can find that at commanderinmtg.com or at commanderinmtg on Twitter. Aha, uh-huh. and that's Commanderin without a G at the end. So Commanderin. Like that's the right. Montana. Although yes. a listener did <laughs> register Commandering MTG and gave it to us after. What? Oh, wow. after oh, that's so nice. It. Holy that's, moly. So if you that's, type in either one of those things, yeah. you're good? Yeah, Rob Gleason. Nice. Thank you, Rob. Rob, Dude. you're a smart man. What Lovely. a baller. And then, Andy, uh, where can we find the Commander's Brew? Uh, well, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Commander's Brew. And actually, we just registered our website. So you can find us at <laughs> commandersbrew.com. Woo-hoo! I think. Who will, be the, who will be the fan to register commanderbrew.com? Or the, the Commander's Brew. Or the Commander's and Brew. Graciously give it to us. Mr. Gleason, it's on you. I'm going to register Commander in <laughs> Brew. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and you, you both have uh, a sort of your own take to the Commander podcast format. Andy, you want to talk about yours a little bit? Sure, yeah. Um, Our our show is based all around brewing Commander decks. Uh, And myself and my co-host, Sean Tavares, we we will brew two decks based around the same theme. So, for example, the one we just recorded today before I got here was called Thieving Commanders. (laughs) Wait, I love that. Commanders that that steal stuff, right? I did Rubinius Soul Singer, and he did uh, Yasova Dragon. Yasova. Nice. Um, So that was a fun one to do. And uh, we also do it on budget all the time. So it's always uh, all the cards in the deck. Under $50 total, including the commander, usually. Um, and yeah, we do a lot of fun themes. We do some Vorthos type stuff. We do. We try and get competitive with it even a little bit. It's good. Yeah, you'll find a lot of a, a good range of decks, I think. We I love get, budget brews. Yeah, we yeah. get asked all the time about budget brews yeah. and what are some budget options. And we always are like, go ask those commanders brews yes, guys because they know yeah. a lot better than we do. <laughs> uh, Phil, do you want to talk about commander in a little bit? Sure. Um, we like to talk about um, theme decks and other topics that we don't always hear covered elsewhere. Like, we've got a series right now where we're doing uh, big mana series. So those are commanders that cheat cards into play and cost, basically reduce the mana cost. Mizix, Melek, um, Riku Mizics. of Two Reflections. And we've also just started a big token series. So again, commanders that kind of focus on tokens. We're about to do a Selesnia version of that with Reese and a couple of others like that. So we cover topics. We're also very sarcastic. <laughs> and uh, even though we're family friendly, we still do occasionally have to bleep 
<laughs> Actually, Andy was, we just recorded with Andy uh, a couple of days ago, and Andy contributed a boop to our library of boops. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Nice. I'm so happy. Nice. Yeah. You that's, contributed I mean, you're immortalized. Boop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I gave them a boop. Next time I'm on <laughs> Phil's show, I'm just going to cuss as much as possible I'm so that yeah. I can hopefully get one of your boobs. I was going to say, so you, you, you do like 20 of them until you get to mine, and then yeah. it'll be, yeah, then I'll have nice. my boop in there. That's quite a library. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that it's a boop and not a beep. Yeah, no, it's yeah. a boop. <laughs> I do this with co-hosts, Sean Watson and Nate Burgess. Um, there are people, I met Sean online about a year and a half ago, and Nate I've known for 20 years. He's an excellent magic player. 20 years? Yeah. And so even though I haven't been separate, alive that long. I have. <laughs> yeah, right. Barely. Barely. Josh so is like, I'm you, six wait, times you both have age. a host named Sean. Yeah. yeah, we do. And it's spelled the correct way also, mm-hmm. S-E-A-N, Wait. if you ask them. I was going to say there's a correct there's and an a, incorrect yeah, way. Well, they'll say. tell you that that's the correct yeah. way. I yeah. think both ways are correct. Yeah. What's crazy is they'll tell you by alternating words because they're part of the same hive mind. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That how, that's how that works. So they've achieved the singularity. Mm-hmm. That's pretty yeah, sweet. Sean's around the world has. They're, they're really in touch with Connery also. It's really... <laughs> they got some great stories. Right, that, I, guess, I suppose that Sean spells it correctly as well. I yeah. am the last one. Yeah, exactly. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> we were just talking about that the other day. I, was, I played a whole game with Patrick Scarborough from Riot... And we both spoke as Sean Connery the entire time. It was a draft. <laughs> <laughs> I attack you. I block with my tutu. Such Your a classic tutu. voice. That sounds great with Sean I Connery. I attack with my tutu. My tutu. <laughs> um, all right, let's How move on. How many cards do you have in your hand? <laughs> it's almost as good as our Scottish accent. It's not quite. Did you do it it's supposed other to be players? Scottish. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I don't, no, I don't even accent. know what it is. But it's not. He's Scottish. It's yeah, but it's not Scottish. We know what Scottish. Scottish sounds like this. Mother of runes. Mother yeah. of runes. Yeah, classic mother of runes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mother of runes. <laughs> uh, all right, we've gotten off topic already. This happens when yeah. there's so many people. Um, so Commander Summit, what we're going to do is we're going to tackle some interesting issues of the day with our esteemed uh, Commander Podcast community content creator guests. It's going to be roundtable discussion style, mm-hmm. style so... Um, nice. I don't know. Do you want to... Let's just jump in here. Mm-hmm. Let's jump in. Okay, so... Our first section is called Looking Back. Uh-oh. We're going to look at back look back at some of the changes that have occurred recently. <laughs> it's very spooky. We're actually physically going back in time say, right there, now. Is there going to be a ghost? No, I have to do this. Out? I have to do this the whole time actually. <laughs> Can Terry just loop that? Maybe. Wait, Terry just take this. Got a clean one. Wait, let me Oh god. The pressure. He lost his tone. <clears throat> Terry, don't loop that. Don't. Okay, I would just have to do it the whole time. <laughs> okay, okay, I have this. We are in the past. Okay, we got there. Sweet. Actually, no, we need in to be our in the way back machine because we have to look back. So, so we're looking back at some of the rule changes that have occurred recently. Um, let's start with the tuck rule change. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it's been a while. I don't know. Andy, you want to take the floor? Sure. Uh, the tuck rule. I originally was. Uh, dead set against it, mm-hmm. the, the change. I thought, I, I loved the tuck. I liked that you had to kind of build with getting your commander tucked in mind. I thought that kind of was a, a skill in deck building. Uh, but since then, the, the one argument that made me change my mind, and it really was just this one, is that why should tuck be more powerful than exile? Hmm. I have an and, answer. And I've okay. heard you say that before. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I like thinking about that because Exile is supposed to be removed from the game. Well, it was. It was, right. right? That was like originally the intent behind it. Um, and, you know, things have changed with the processors now. But once you exile something, it's supposed to be gone. So why is it? So you tell me, why, is, why should it be more powerful than Exile? 
It's not that it's more powerful. It's just that it's different. Because why should unsummon oh. be different than exile? And why well, should it destroy be different? You... It's more powerful in for certain contexts. Yeah. Yeah, for that one card. That's what I mean. Like, why, well, why who, for that one card should There's be nothing powerful. in magic that says exile's the most powerful way to get rid of a creature. There's just... That's true. That's find true. me That's where Wizards of the Coast yeah. has written that phrase, right. and I would agree with you, but they haven't. They created exile as a type of removal that has to be dealt with in a different way, but so right. does destroy, so does unsummon, and mm-hmm. so does tuck. So to me, I, I've never heard anybody come out and say that exile's supposed to be more powerful than all the rest. I think it is, though. Don't you think? Don't you no, think I Remove don't. from the Game is, is more powerful than Tuck into your library? I think Remove from the Game is I more think... powerful than... Well, the or problem with Commander... Again, the problem with, with it, with it in, re- in regards to Commander is that when you exile the Commander, it just went to the Command Zone. Exactly, so yeah. it actually was less powerful than Tuck at that point. But so it's, it's so not, I, Yeah, it's that's what about... I mean. So I think their intent with the, with the rule of the... Com- put it back in your Command Zone rule was to be like, you can never get rid of this. And then the, there was a loophole that they left over that they were like, oh... Okay, fine. And then they're like, you know what? No, what? We're going to fix it. I mean, that is hard to argue with because they did fix it. And so they did sort of make that statement. Yeah. I just don't agree with the statement that you're making with the original part, which is mean, like, yeah. Exile is not supposed to be more powerful than anything else. Sure. It's yeah. just supposed to be a different way. Another, because Unsummon yeah. sometimes is way more powerful than destroying. True. But you could say, in, I think most people would probably say, destroying is more powerful than unsummoning, right? Yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of say. times where it's not. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yep, it, definitely. In other forms of magic, exile is the most powerful form of removal, right? Because Sometimes. there's no way for you to get it back. There's a couple of ways, but there's really no way for you to get the creature or target, whatever it is, back. It's very specific how and, you have to get it back, and it doesn't happen much in constructed formats. Right, right, right. Because you, and you don't even sideboard for that. You just put another copy of the card in your deck. In our format, though, exile is almost no penalty, right? It just goes away for a couple of turns until you can build up the mana, and that's in the worst case. I miss Tuck, frankly. I yeah, uh, I kind of miss Tuck. Yeah. I, although the number of times I've been tucked uh, before the Tuck roll was like four, five. The number of times I've been tucked post is zero, and I haven't I haven't been like, oh boy, being tucked right now would really suck. <laughs> like it just hasn't happened. Yeah. Have there been times? Because there have for me where I have a card that would tuck something though, and I'm like, okay, this kind of is very bad now. Well, Chaos Warp is still really good no matter what. Chaos I feel Warp like. is because of the uh, array of things that it hits, right? Mm-hmm. But like Hinder just costs more than a counterspell. Yeah. So it's just yeah. like one more mana. And Oblation. Oblation is two more mana. Oblation's than... almost unplayable now. Right. Yeah, Condemn, Oblation, all the cards that actually put cards into the library. Terminus. Terminus. I mean, at the same time, though, I just don't play it anymore. I mean, Terminus is still good. I think Terminus is yeah, still Terminus good. Is. Especially like playing at, say, Marchesa or... Or, mm-hmm. yeah, like a, a Carador yeah. or something like that. It's yeah. not that they're not... Playable, but there's definitely been times where I've been holding terminus. I'd be like, "Well, in the old days, this would be yeah. like amazing." And yeah. now yeah. it's like it's okay. It's like slightly better than Wrath of God. From yeah. from the like kind of lower uh, powered standpoint, I never really felt great. And I know you you know it's not about feel bads or feel goods, although the rules committee might say so. But um, I never really felt good tucking someone's commander. To be quite honest, with you. Mm. I always. But what felt does that like, have to do with the? You're well, I mean, about, I'm, like, I'm just talking about from, as as... For, for me personally. So I never ran a lot of tuck because I didn't really like it. I did. I thought it. It's not that it was unfair. I just. I don't know. I just didn't really enjoy doing it. You know. I'm like, man, I could tuck. You know, Sean's 
whatever thing, his commander that his whole deck is running around, and then he just won't be able to play anymore. Yeah. And he'll just sit here for an hour and, like, hope to draw his commander. See, which I, I like, I know the counter argument to that is to, like, well, you know, you run a few tutors and you have your ways to get ar- around it, hopefully, right? But it's still, for me, never felt great. And I'm not saying that's an argument to get to that they should have gotten rid of it. I'm just saying, me personally, I never enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't mind tucking somebody else's general because I usually reserved it for something really bad like Perforos, right? Okay, yeah. And um, the the way I look at it is Tuck allowed us to put more cards in because we're no longer running as many tutors to recover those those True, Tuck yeah. generals. But at the same time, now there's almost no incentive not to run something really degenerate. And if you go out into the wild and you're you're kind of just pubbing, as we call it online, mm-hmm. right? There's no reason not to run a Perforos deck or, you know... Um, <laughs> Narset. A Narset deck or now she wasn't getting even Karlov, anyway, right? And, right, she wasn't getting tar- tucked unless it was Terminus. But still, there are ways to get rid of those commanders in a Tuck universe, but now you cannot get rid of them. And so you have to deal with it somehow. Yeah. And granted, you know, maybe maybe that helps us become better deck builders as well. I think it's allowed those monofocus decks to become more prevalent well okay let's do this because i think it'll be interesting as we continue to talk about uh other subjects let's say on a scale of one to ten so we can each sort of come down Mm -hmm. on like how strongly we feel about it ten being like i really thought think it's awesome and i'm glad and one being like it's horrible the worst thing ever Mm. where do you come down on the tuck rule andy pretty in the middle actually i'd probably like a five or a six so you slightly think it's good. I but slightly think it's like I think it's fine. It's uh-huh. good. How about you, Phil? I'm about a four or five, so almost exactly the opposite. You're I the think inverse. You yeah, slightly right. think it's bad. Right, I'm definitely closer to a four, maybe even a three, just because Ooh. I have played against quite a few degenerate decks that had there were just limited ways to punish them for what they were doing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm at a I'm at a two and a half or a, a yeah, yeah two guys, or a three. You I, guys play in a more powered up meta than I do for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think and that, I think that yeah, my number would change in a, yeah. in, a, in a in a group where like oh gosh they played this and if no one does anything well you're probably you're eighty percent to lose right. and, and like it's for me it's like it's really brutal let's say the Narset players to your left and they go first and you're just the fourth player right. on the table there's yeah. a good chance you'll you'll never see a turn and everyone else <laughs> is going to see more turns than you and it's just right you might see your sixth turn but not your seventh no yeah. <laughs> everybody else may get their seventh yeah. yeah and it's kind of a big deal when you think about it. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it, I'd be interested to hear if people think it is tied to power level. Because to me, it feels like the tuck cards themselves, the cards that do the tucking, are not expensive cards. And so that should play into the hands of the less powered or more budget decks. It would feel like it would be a way to even the playing field. So it's interesting to me, Andy, that you feel from sort of a lower power perspective that tucking is bad. Because I would think the inverse is true. And I'm not saying, I mean, that's just counterintuitive to me doesn't mean it's not right oh yeah no it's it's not so much that i thought it was bad i never thought it was bad i was the only person in our play group that was like man they shouldn't get rid of tuck like it's wicked <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, i was actually for keeping it around and then the only thing that made me say oh okay fine it makes sense is all the stuff that i just mentioned uh, right mm-hmm. yeah like that's why i was like begrudgingly like all right fine yeah there's a strong <laughs> argument just a lot of really... people were like i thought that's how it worked anyways <laughs> you know yeah. like a lot of people didn't even know that 
For me, it's still like, look, if if you want to talk to your playgroup and decide mm. what rules you guys want to just like adopt and don't, then just do it for Tuck. If if it's something that is like, look, if we don't have Tuck, then these players are just winning all the time with these decks. Then like, okay, well, sure, go yeah. for Tuck. You know, I and people say that a lot about our format. And this is here. There's a side discussion we can get into a little bit, which is this idea of like, here's the rule, but it's not that big of a deal because you can always make a house rule. The problem is when there is an actual rule. That becomes the default. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you've got five people or six people in your playgroup and you need large playgroups to even play EDH, right? Yeah. So you only need one person exactly. in favor of the default rule. And then it's very hard to get off of it because they have such a large amount of leverage behind them because, hey, the rules committee says this is the rule. Mm-hmm. Oh, four people don't want it, but one person does. It's very easy for that to be a stalemate. Yeah. Whereas in a normal situation... It would be like, okay, it's four on one. We should come to some sort of agreement here. But no, I'm with the rules committee, and that's got a whole lot of weight behind it. And so I think the house rules idea is a good idea on paper, but it doesn't actually work that great. Yeah, the other difficulty is that when you do go out with your deck that has a few tuck spells in there and you play in a normal group, it's like all of a sudden your deck actually is kind of hurting because those spells don't have the same efficacy that they do in your own. Your regular playgroup. Yeah, I think like the only house rules I've ever seen is actually from Phil and you. You guys, when you play online, you just you say like no uh, infinite combos for more than five times or something, right? right. Uh, and that is literally the only house rule I've ever encountered playing EDH with a bunch of different people. And we do that in part because we want to play the game of Magic, right? right. And yeah, you want to get into those long games and stuff, and 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 that's fine. I, I got no problem with that either. But um, but you're right, Josh. Like. The the default rule is what you you gotta you gotta go like well I built this deck based on the actual rules you know so it's like you guys might have this house rule but is it okay if we play with the regular rules and everyone kind of has to go uh, yeah yeah I guess right I mean it's hard if one person wants to go with the default rules <laughs> yeah, it's really hard it's to tough. overcome exactly. that right yeah, and like and I love this idea that you can have house rules and I think people should if they can get their play groups yeah. to do it it's just been my experience that that's actually harder to do than you would think well yeah. I look at it as we can have all the house rules we want at our own tables and that's great but the moment you go outside and you start mixing with people you don't normally play with you have to respect and expect rather that they're going to play with the default rules yeah, yeah. that's right. a good way to look at it all right, All let's right. move on to our next issue. It was fairly recent. It's the Vancouver Mulligan. So we did away with partial Paris, and now we're doing the Vancouver Mulligan rule, which is basically one free Mulligan, and then after that, you go down to six, you go down to five, you do it on a four, and if you have six or less cards in your starting hand, you get to scry one after you decide to keep or not. What do you guys think about this change? Phil, you want to take it? Sure. I think it's uh, overall it's a very good change. It does come at the cost, though, of... Um, uh, three color generals need a lot more support. And so in a way, um, it smooths out draws. It makes sure that you're not paying a steeper price for mulliganing down. But at the same time now, if you're playing a three color general, you're at a disadvantage compared to two or even a monocolor general, right? Whereas it kind of evens the playing field before we used to think that monocolor was the bad uh, color combination, right? Or Mm non-combo. And, but now you can go several turns without, drawing the, the the color mana you need so it forces you to put a lot more rocks in i'm always i'm of the same school you guys are in where you've always been saying at least 10 accelerants right and so i've always had 10 mana rocks but now it feels like i have to rely more on green i have to rely more on land tutors and so those fetches i was getting away from i kind of want more fetches because i have to get that third color yeah i am a little i'm still 
uh, not a hundred percent on whether or not I like the Vancouver Mulligan. I think the big problem with Partial Paris is that the sculpting of hands in the deck that mm-hmm. was very powerful is actually in a big advantage if someone's put a lot of time into developing their deck yes. so that they can just have a ridiculously explosive draw. And this sort of gets rid of that potential. At the same time, it really punishes someone that has built their deck to be more of like a I'm just new and I want to play fun big stuff. <laughs> Uh, because all of a sudden it's like, well, make sure you have all of your mana rocks and all of your ramp in there, because otherwise you're just not going to have as much fun. In just in case you don't get the like the opening hand that you think you need. Yeah, it's you know what this sounds like. This this, this the thing you guys were saying. It sounds like when you add more colors to your deck, the harder it's going to be to play it, and you need to put the proper things in to be able to play those colors. And yeah. guess what? That's magic, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's good uh, deck building. Yeah, it is. And and actually, I think that. Jimmy, your point of like newer players just want to play around and play big spells. That's what we play DH for, right? It's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, that's going to teach them to be like, hey, actually, I need a bunch of these things, right? Whereas maybe they got away with it before. Uh, our meta didn't know that when you partial Paris the first time, it was free. <laughs> we didn't know that. <laughs> so, so you were always I. at a slight So we were kind of yeah. always already like um, we, we, could, we could never drop. Uh, what was it that they would do? Like people would drop one and draw one. Right. You could never drop we, one. We could never do that. We always had right. to drop two to draw one if we wanted to do that. So, Huge difference. So, and actually, I kind of think that's the middle ground that might between be better. the two of them. And it is kind of better, actually. Uh, some, someone hmm. at the, the pre-release told me that. I was like, what? <laughs> like After the rule had changed, we've been playing wrong this whole time. But it actually, I think, was, was better. So uh, that being said, I think the Vancouver Mulligan is, is, is good for the reasons you're saying. Like I was hearing about people running like... 30 lands in their commander decks? No, yeah. that's good. lands and stuff like that? We had a lot of people in our playgroup that were playing like 32. I can't even I can't even. I run that. 38. Yeah. 37, <laughs> like 30, 37 is the lowest I will yeah. go for yeah. sure, right? And 38, 39 even sometimes. Right? Yeah, we've always said on the show 10 ramp cards yep. uh, plus 37 lands, yeah. which means basically half your deck is lands because... But with Partial Paris, you didn't have to do it because you could draw a hand. It had one land in it. You could keep two good cards, one land, drop the rest, get mm-hmm. your other two lands. You're fine. You're off to a good start. You can't do that anymore. If you draw those one land hands, it's horrible. And then if you only have 32 lands in your deck and you have to go down to six, it's, it's chan- bad. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that it's net positive. It's not perfect. In fact, hearing your idea of like <laughs> Partial Paris, but with the you get one less card each time, that's actually, that sounds like better but compared to what we had which was full partial pairs mm-hmm. i think this is better i think the games play out more how commander's supposed to play right mm-hmm. commander's not supposed to be super consistent it's not supposed mm-hmm. to be like i always have a signet or a soul yeah. ring or a mana crypt you know but it feels like in the old days kind of that was that was, that was kind of what happened yeah. like you know we were noticing a lot of games where around turn six somebody was pretty close to winning and that's too fast that's pretty quick for command yeah it's too fast and it's because they would go signet you know into grim monolith into basalt monolith and then turn six is about to happen or turn five right and they have 14 mana that they can deploy and it's just because they could sculpt their hand that way but now those same decks are a little bit more punished uh because they have less mana and so they have to keep these sort of sketchy hands and they get off to slower starts and i I think that's just net positive yeah i think sheldon put it best that if you wanted to continue using the partial paris system and you were with friends you trusted not to sculpt their hands go ahead and do it right Mm -hmm. what we ended up what i don't i don't ever recall trying to sculpt my hand to get the cards that i needed i always just did it to make sure that i had a decent mana base three three lands or more yeah right right? yeah yeah. and yeah i hear stories about this and i just it's hard for me to understand well it's not sculpting like 
combo though, a lot of times it would be like, I mean, I would do this too because I, I was very lazy about it. I would often just keep my first seven if it looked decent, but sometimes it would be like, well, I got a mana rock and three lands. So whatever those, I just want something that draws me cards. So I'm just going to get rid of whatever the other ones are hmm. and hope I get mm-hmm. a card draw spell because that'll get me oh, the right, rest okay. of the way, right? Yeah. Even that was, that's a strong play to be able to do and you can't do that anymore, which I think is good. Yeah, yeah. it is good. That's def- that's what I would do for mm-hmm. sure. If, if if the mana was there, I would just, I would just throw everything else away and be like, well, maybe I'll get a card draw spell or more mana is fine too, actually. Yeah. Um, what sub question here though, real quick. Do you guys, uh, because uh, the rules committee mentioned that like you can kind of do whatever you want, but do you guys keep the seven out of the deck and draw a fresh seven, or do you shuffle it back That's, every time? It's player's choice. Player's I, choice. But like, I, what do you guys specifically like to do? No, I mean, specifically, it's your choice each time you do it. No, that's what I'm asking you. What do you do? What do you, no, what do you do? It depends because what are my seven cards? Do I want? Oh, maybe... right. So you're saying that like if something is in there that we don't you might ha- want. Yeah, we don't have oh, a like you do it this A or B every time. It's no, like, neither do we. Yeah, it's like yeah. I'm mulliganing this time. Well. I'm mulliganing a hand with a card that's very good, like Rhystic Study or something. I might possibly want to have that in my opening hand. Right, right. So I'll just shuffle the whole thing and do it. But also time. So a lot of times yeah. it's like if I'm the only one doing it and I look around the table and I'm the <laughs> se- and you know Phil's to my right and it's his turn first, then I'll be like, okay, I'll just do it really fast because I'm going to need to be able to play. Right. I don't want to hold up the whole game. Well, at the same time, so in that way you're saving time but in the long run what we need to do in order to ensure we have the uh, the mana base we want is we have to put more tutors back in whether they come in the form of fetch lands or artifact tutors so that you can get those mana rocks that you need right and and at the same time for budget brews it means that chromatic lanterns are going to be far more important mm-hmm. uh dark steel ingots which are already in the two buck range i oh, think no, right i think they're cheaper than that chromatics are going up chromatic though. lanterns chromatics. are 10 bucks i believe yeah, yeah well that's because of the yowza because of the next thing we're yeah. going to talk about yeah and then fetch lands as well if yeah. you want to uh show up at a game store and basically not be slapped around constantly yeah. you're going to need the mana in order to cast your commander and again, if you're playing a three-color commander, you need those fetches. You need the the rocks that produce multiple colors. And I can't recommend enough Felwar Stone, by the way. But oh, oh, Felwar Stone's a great yeah. card. Yeah. yeah, new one. I've a side question here is how has this rule, besides because it's interesting, uh, this is what made me think of it, is that you're talking about. Well, I need more fetch lands. I need more of this. How else have you maybe changed your decks since the rule came out to sort of play towards that rule? I've done what Kessler has done. I've, go- I've gone through and I've gotten rid of multiple spells that are eight nine ten mana mm-hmm. um just because i mean they're huge and they're fun and they're flashy and they're big impact but you can only have a couple of those in your deck you can't really go overboard and i i laid out the curve and was like well before my curve let's start at like five <laughs> so let's just crank that down to four and three and and i think that's made the experience a lot more smooth i don't die as quickly just because you have more plays in the early game uh, yeah, any hand you get a starting hand that has two eight or nine drops, it's a mulligan because yeah, yeah absolutely, that's just like you have two already. less cards. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even before that, you still mulligan those away. You would just I, mulligan yeah. those two those big two, cards, yeah. though. Yeah, unless that so card you was... could have more in your deck because anytime you drew them in your opening hand, you would just mull the big ones away and hopefully draw lands or smaller spells. Right. And now you just can't afford to even have a hand that starts yeah. with three of yeah. them. But tell me, Jimmy, you haven't gotten rid of the great Aurora. The Great Aurora, <laughs> the mainstay in all my decks, because I love games going an extra 30 minutes each. Uh, your cards. I, I did get yeah. rid of Insurrection, one oh. of my favorite cards of all time, what? out of one of my decks. Yeah, just because I, 
I mean, in our meta, a lot of our decks aren't as creature heavy and creature based. It's like insurrection against Mizzix is kind of do you stone yeah. cold nothing, buddy. Yeah. I've taken it out of almost all my decks. I think that I only have one anymore that even has it. Enjoyra, maybe. Yeah, because early on in our play group, and when we started the command zone, we used to talk about insurrection a lot, and we still sort of our go to card as the like you win the game card when we're using it as an example, but. As we've gone along, it's just become less and less powerful in our meta. And that's with any powerful card in your meta, yeah, right? Wow. Is going to be like your meta is going to adapt. And I think ours did to like Insurrection just won't win you the game a lot anymore. That's yeah. crazy. That is not the case where I come from. <laughs> Up in Canada, we still respect our Insurrections. Let me tell you. Yep. You're still getting a ton of creatures with your There's so many times you look around and you're like, I'm going to get a Mizzix and an Ulamog. And that's going to hit somebody for 12. Yeah. Yay. Like yeah, what? Yeah. Yay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, while someone has like a propaganda and a yeah, I can't prison. even hit these two guys because they it'll cost me twelve mana to yeah. attack them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, one out of ten. Where you guys sit on the Vancouver Mulligan again? Ten is you approve heartily, and one is you disagree with all of your might. <laughs> can't even give this one a number because I was doing it right the whole time anyway. So like, <laughs> it's a straight up five for me. <laughs> oh, it's right in the middle. No, this one's a nine. This one's net good. Wow, really strong. Yeah, yeah I'll give it. I give it an eight. Yeah, I'm about eight as well. Um, mostly because I think it is net good as well. Because if you think about it, there is no card in the history of Magic: The Gathering that is as powerful as a partial Paris. Like that ability yeah, by itself is call. unbeatable. Yeah. So I'll give it a uh, an eight. I look at it as <laughs> hello out of sequence. Um, <laughs> I look at it as I, I used to play a game called uh, BattleTech board game stuff. Uh-huh. And I would prepare my the, 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 the pieces I would play because I didn't know the terrain. We would always select the terrain second. I look at um, this as a change that's analogous to that. You don't know what you're going to draw, and so your deck better be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Your deck better be built better. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. right. In reality, better be built better. In reality, my rating is more like an 8. That's a oh, four okay, nice. Yeah, Let's yeah. have a five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah join the join Better. the eight club over no, here. I like eight that. And up. I think it's a really good. Ages eight and up, handy hole. Uh, the other <laughs> one last thing about the Vancouver Mulligan, and this has yet to be decided um, because we did talk about you're, you're going to need more fetch lands and stuff in your deck to smooth out a mana base for a mm-hmm. five color, three color general. I am interested to know if that's going to make the game harder for players that just are building on a budget to build. Like, yeah. for instance, could you do a Commander's Brew $50 and under with a five-color deck? Do you think that'd be possible? With I've a reliable mana base? I'm sure you can with Guild Gates. Well, you got Guild you know Gates. Uh, honestly, it's not super reliable because... Don't um, play Guild Gates. Because it's not even the fetches because there's the slow fetches. You got, like, like, the... Yeah, like, bad... The slow fetches are that. great. Like, for, yeah, for, they are. for budget brewers, they're, they're, they're awesome. Um... But it's the what can you get with them? <laughs> you, yeah, you're not going to have the get shocks. the Havlands or a basic land. Maybe you get the yeah the battle or the Havlands. Sorry, I can't say Battlelands on here, can I? No, you no, cannot. I cannot. Oh, no, you'll uh, get immediately kicked off the show. <laughs> yeah. Don't say Tango. Yeah, no. Oh no, I never said Tango. <laughs> oh, gosh, unless you're about to ask who one of us to Tango. Dance. No one's the worst. There is a weird contingency up. of people that are really in support of dancers, Tango. mostly. It comes up in Twitch chat I guarantee all the time. None of them dance. No. Why are they so? Why are they so like excited about Tango? How is that not on the list of things to talk about? What are I we wanna... calling these lands? Whenever I come to a new table, I ask what they call them because I don't want to be ostracized. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good call. Havlands. We, we, Wait, we, I want to rewind here. I need to... Phil, you said... We're going back in time, right? No, I'm just rewinding. It's not back in time. Phil, you said don't play Guild Gates. Oh, yeah. You're like super anti-Guild Gate because I remember playing a Guild Gate and you like gave me the Josh you're playing a Guild Gate. 
And it was in it wasn't that in was a double sleeve. That was my voice, Josh. 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 That's not even close. Okay, okay. Yeah. Josh, pretty close. Yours um, was more like Batman. Yeah, yeah. Bill, you're, yeah. you're Batman. I'm the. Don't Batman. play a guild gate. <laughs> Dang. Don't play a guild gate. I don't want to go in a like you guys have. Dang the bass, that voice. I listen. Voice. I have <laughs> dual lands. But I also play guild gates in a lot of my decks. I think mm-hmm. guild gates are fine. I love guild gates. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody tell you not to play guild no, gates. No, no, no. Don't you know why guild, guild gates are good? Uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, what's the, the if you control the, ten or more gates card? The mazes no. end. <laughs> no, not mazes end. No. Well, yeah, that's a reason. Although I did include mazes end in a deck I built in a Tazri deck as like a, an alternate win condition. Just and in case the game goes so hundred turns. It was so fun, dude. Not to mention, by the way, once mazes... people saw you doing that, there it was like, oh no, he's going for mazes yeah. end. Does anyone have any land destruction? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's not forget mazes end. By the way, it adds. Colorless mana to your mana pool. So That's you guys right. need so more mana fixers mm-hmm. for colorless. Um, uh, but Gil- what's the what's the green card that gets a, that fetches a, uh, a gate? A gate. Uh, it's um, oh, there is. It's a it's, it's a, a little, creature. Yeah, yeah it's, zero one. It's a little guy. wall or something. Anyways, hey man, gatekeeper. I'll toss that in there when you need if you got a five color deck. I play life lands. Bad. I play refuge lands. I will play guild gates. Oh, Don't yeah. let anybody no, no, tell no, no, you no. that stuff's not okay. All of those lands except for the guild gates and the new uncommons from uh, gatekeeper vine. Gatekeeper vine. Gatekeeper vine. Gatekeeper vine. I'm not gonna play that card. No, don't play that card either. I'll draft that card like crazy, though. Because it would find no Only targets. Only five gates. Actually, it finds a basic land, doesn't yeah. it? If you're running yeah. ten gates, let me tell you, you something. You can do a basic or That'll get you the one you need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the reason is, it doesn't really provide a significant benefit if you've built your deck properly mm-hmm. over um, a basic land. And those basic lands come in untapped. Wait, wait, hold on. It, I, I recognize the flexibility, but does, the speed. There no, is a benefit. That's not true. But if you've built your deck correctly no. with green cards... <laughs> Oh, I see. Then you, you can mean. go. Oh, in this and is their their joke about want. how Phil likes green and the other oh, guys don't like green. You're a green player too. I know. I love green, but I also <laughs> like. I have, I have a Mardu deck though. That like that can't do that. Well, he's saying, Stop you, playing he's saying you have not <laughs> built that correctly. There you go. All right. Well, I, I didn't even know how to say that. Great Did we finish <laughs> up with our numbers for the moment? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we did. Anyone from a five to a eight? I changed to an eight because that was my speed is more important than the flexibility. All right, let's move on to our next topic. We're still looking back. Broad statement that is almost. We're never going to move. Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to move on. The abolishment of rule number four. Get out of here. Number four. Number four. Who does number four? Wait, there is no number four. Uh, that didn't work. Number three. No. Okay, so the rule number four, if you guys did not know, was a rule that was abolished, which said that you cannot generate mana outside of the color identity of your commander. It will become colorless instead. So if you had a uh, Azorius commander, a white-blue commander, and you tapped a City of Brass for red, you couldn't. It would just become colorless mana instead. But now you can. So basically, abolishment of rule number four means we are just matching the rules of regular Magic the Gathering. They they did it really to get rid of this loophole that would yeah. be able to yeah. cause you to create colorless mana a lot easier than you should be able to. Because mm-hmm. the rule actually stated if you added a color outside your general's color identity to your mana pool, it would turn into colorless mana or diamond mana. So it seemed like a preemptive strike against that loophole. Um, this is what we're talking about with Chromatic Lantern, which is suddenly become a lot more powerful because if you have chromatic lantern then all of your mana can actually tap for any color mana and you can actually keep that mana in your mana pool so if you're playing like send triplets Mm -hmm. or a commander or a card that wants you to generate mana outside your your color identity it's just used to be worthless and now it's worth something sometimes i felt like they were really they were kind of like strong-armed into this they could not change this rule Mm-hmm. The way colorless mana works is is it's supposed to be something that you build 
into your deck as opposed to just fall into by having five color lands in a three color deck. Wait, right? did colorless mana become more important recently? Well, mostly just because of the Eldrazi, right? The, the Eldrazi <laughs> but, somehow. But were they? What are we talking about here? Ten cards? What? We've got a format that's got 20,000 cards in it. Oh, yes. Ten right. cards come yeah. out. Fifteen, maybe. I, I didn't count, but it's not very many. It's less than 20 come out, and we changed the rule in our format for basically like 10 or 15 cards. And how many of those? I think probably only Eldrazi Displacer is so powerful. Endbringer. Mm-hmm. Endbringer's good. But the point of the colorless mana is to uh, run lands and like artifact sources that create colorless mana, not... Not so that you could run whatever Felowar stones and uh, chromatic lanterns and produce it that way. Like I think that's why, right? Like it, a, well, thing, I mean, a thing that produces any color of mana shouldn't also then produce colorless mana. I guess is th- that's the change they wanted. I think. I think there was a better way to word this rule, and the wording could have been. And I understand why they did it, and I'll get into that in a second. But um, the wording could have easily been if you generate mana outside, or no, sorry, the wording could have easily been you cannot generate mana outside your. Right. Uh, outside your general's oh. color identity. Mm-hmm. So just like if I try to add red mana and I have an Azorius commander, I just don't get it. I get nothing. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder, yeah. Wow. It I would wonder. turn off some things like maybe Exotic Orchard or Felwar Stone sometimes. Not most of the time, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's fine, I think. I think right. that's fine too, actually. Yeah. Although the side effect of making send triplets and a few other things more powerful maybe is net maybe positive. Maybe also, it's maybe exactly. it's fine. Yeah. Um, Thieving Commanders. I can finally build yeah. a Send Triplets deck, which makes me excited. Yeah, you and everybody else. And, I mean, the argument that... Yeah, I'll, that's why I, she I'll, spiked. I'll represent uh, Sean, my co-host's uh, argument on this, is that he really doesn't like this. He thinks stick to your commander's colors and that's it. Like, you shouldn't be able to be in blue, white, or whatever, steal something, and then activate its mm-hmm. red ability. He just really doesn't think that should be able to be done. And I see that. I agree with that. That's that part of the rule change I don't like, but then the part where it's like, well, we're just bringing it into line with the rest of the rules I, is I, something I do like. So mm-hmm. that's actually I think the best point yeah. in favor of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and it's very strong. Maybe to the point where it doesn't matter what the other points are. Is that now when you come to play Commander from another Magic format, it's there. This is the same. Yeah. yeah, and so is the Mulligan, and so it's just a lot easier to sort of break that barrier from like Modern to Commander or just regular and yeah, whatever for anything right? yeah, yeah yeah just drafting or whatever yeah, yeah. what well, okay one to ten one to ten ten wow oh wow Whoa. Jimmy, loving this rule <laughs> you sure i love it i love it is that that's, you saying you love I've it i've been or swimming just... in raw sewage i love it <laughs> <laughs> so that's a 10 movie you, josh anyone? movie anyone i don't know that movie what movie is that is that, that batman either. no it's <laughs> the second naked gun movie come on uh, okay well everybody knows that that's super into naked gun what 22 two and a half or two and a half yeah. or something i don't remember yeah. how they named no, it no 33 and a third it was the third <laughs> yeah anyway yeah okay uh, sorry one to ten Andy. yeah one to ten uh i'm gonna go with a seven on this one hmm. yeah i'm about a seven as well I'm with you guys. I'm a, I'm a seven. I think it's good. I don't think it's perfect. Yeah. But I, I do think it's positive. Whatever. I'm in the 10 club over here. <laughs> <laughs> because you're building sense. It's triplets. the perfect rule change. It's the perfect rule change. And I have two digits in my number. You guys just have one. <laughs> and I love it. But we I add up it. to 21. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. All right. Current events. Let's talk about some stuff that's happening right now. Uh, we had some exciting announcements recently. Eternal <laughs> Masters. And also... Conspiracy yeah. Dose. Oh, wait a minute. We haven't talked about this on our show yet. No, we all. haven't. This is the first chance. Conspiracy to... Dose. <laughs> I can't believe it. Conspiracy <laughs> Dose. We're, I'm so, yeah. so, so excited. Um, 
thank you everyone that made it at Wizards. Josh and I. Oh, thank you. Our second and third episodes of this show are dedicated to conspiracy. Third That's and how, fourth. Third and fourth. That's yeah. how much we love the the draft format. So. We loved it so much, and I was Eternal Masters. I was excited about, but a large part of me was disappointed. Very. Because when I heard about it, the first thing I thought, literal first yeah. thought in my head, when the, I was like, saw the announcement, we're releasing Eternal Masters. My first thought was, oh, that means there won't be a conspiracy this year. Yep. But turns out, turns out you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Conspiracy to take the throne, uh, which is exciting because it has Marchesa just like front and center mm-hmm. of the whole thing, which I is great. I thought that was Mar- Marchesa. I didn't realize it was her. <laughs> turns she's out got really is. big shoulder things. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. And she's wearing bras. She's the queen of hearts. Yeah, <laughs> she's <They've>, <laughs> off with their heads. <laughs> off with their heads. Um, do we know that Take the Throne is absolutely 100% that is the title? The final, because they yeah. changed it like five times. Yeah, I Mark, Mark Rosewater confirmed that that is where they're settling on that one. Yeah, All you right. notice what they're doing with the marketing? They're, they're doing that with Conspiracy, but now they're doing um, almost... Oh, yeah, um, the Whatever Chronicle or something? Yeah, with um, with uh, Innistrad. Yeah. 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 yeah, they're starting to lead... They're doing uh, like a newspaper article yeah. and stuff or something. So yeah. they're, they're getting... Cre- they're getting... What's the word? Creative. Creative <laughs> with their marketing <laughs> yeah. campaigns. It's nice. I'm glad they are. Uh, anyway, Conspiracy 2 is going to be very exciting. It's got 221 cards. It's going to be a unique draft format for all your multiplayer needs. I think you guys are probably, <laughs> I think you guys are probably responsible for like um, most of the people who've played Conspiracy, I think. We like just at Vegas alone. Yeah, yeah, just distributing the packs alone. Yeah, it's like everything I've I'm heard so from glad. other people on podcasts is like, nah, I never really played Conspiracy until I went to that Vegas thing that Jimmy and Josh hosted. <laughs> like, yeah. And everybody then says, and it was really and fun. It was awesome. It was, really, really, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. 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 yeah, especially when you get to do some grab bag with it we've um, definitely had some listeners lately uh at least a couple emails talking about how we've talked about draft enough that they want to try it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. conspiracy the first one is a great way for a commander group to try draft for the first time because it's very similar to drafting an edh game yeah it's not the exact same but it's similar um i wouldn't do conspiracy for your very first draft ever though because no. of the cards that sort of screw up the way the draft itself works yeah. i would go with a core set I've um, seen some boxes of M14 (laughs) online for like 70 bucks or something. And we've been asked this a few times. So that's what I would go to. I would try like M14 (laughs) because it's cheap. And it's a core set. And core sets are a little bit more simplified. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would do for your first draft. So we've had a lot of people asking about it. If you're thinking about trying draft for the first time, you really only need four people. It's better with six to eight, but you could do it with four just to get an idea for how drafting itself works. Mm -hmm. And Andy, I know you're a big drafter. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's something that people that play commander don't necessarily do because it's very it's different. They're not necessarily related in the way that like oh man, it's it's in the way that like horse is related to regular basketball or something. Yeah, right. good call. I, I we actually got a lot horses of horses can't play basketball, in. so yeah, I, I agree. Not very well at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean they can. They can be taught. You, know? <laughs> you can teach a horse anything. They foul rough. Oh yeah. boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we actually our playgroup actually really got into conspiracy, kind of like you guys. Yeah. We actually. Got a number of drafts in, so um, uh, it was what a, what a delight it was to have an EDH uh, play group playing yeah. draft all in the same like in the same game. It was so great. So grab your conspiracy, and I don't think you really need to ask what we're more excited about here. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> yeah, that was our question. EDH players, yeah, that was our my question on the outline is more excited for Eternal Masters or Conspiracy Two? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Eternal Masters all the way. You know what I'm stoked about for uh, Conspiracy 2? More voting cards. Yeah. 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 I yeah, want to build a voting deck, There's just right? not, and enough, there's just not yeah. enough right yeah. now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Will of the Council. Yeah. What a great card. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know there's going to be like a whole swath of new legendaries. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
There's going to be a new Marchesa to put oh, in man, my Marchesa what? deck. Yeah. What? You can have two Marchesas in the Marchesa deck. Yeah. I assume she'll Hopefully. be the same colors. Yeah. Maybe she changed colors. She's got yeah. the throne now. Yeah. I don't know what color Maybe the that throne means. Is. You get a little, you get a little white. I would in the other be devastated. I would immediately turn my Marchesa deck into a five color deck. What if, if she's uh, what if, done and done? <laughs> what if she's a four color commander? No. <gasps> they do it in conspiracy. Don't even do that. Don't even play my that. My head just don't exploded. Even, oh my gosh! Now I'm even more Sorry, excited than no. I was, and I was yeah. excited before. Right. Yeah. Clearly, I'm more excited for conspiracy too. I just think drafting with friends, and that's the best part is if you're doing it with your EDH play group, going into that first game, and then all of a and realizing, oh, I get to use all these abilities oh. and things that I've learned from playing Commander mm. in this draft game. It's it's the perfect marriage. It's perfect it really mix. is. Perfect it's mix. so great. So excited. That's probably the single most exciting thing since I came back to Magic. I think the best draft conspiracy. I've two because I didn't know enough to be excited for conspiracy. Oh, conspiracy one. One. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But now I know. The, the the I think honestly the best draft I've ever done is was uh, two packs of M fifteen and. One pack of Conspiracy One and one pack of Marble oh. Lights, and, and we we still played one one v one. We didn't do multiplayer, but just those Conspiracy cards were just they added so much flavor. Actually, it might have been two Conspiracy decks. It, at any rate, at any rate, it was amazing. It was the most fun. And then we actually did do a big multiplayer game, and it was so wicked. So yeah, you can I mix and match. You, we've done uh, grab bag drafts mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. with Conspiracy and and other mm-hmm. uh, sets. It's really really fun. You're making me on the draft right now. Are we going <laughs> to do Conspiracy and Conspiracy Two drafts? Heck yeah, oh we God, are. Of course, oh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, this well, this doesn't really segue into our next topic, but it's interesting because we talked about this on our last show, and it, a lot of people were very passionate about it. So I thought we'd ask you guys um, mm. about the reserve list. So there's been a lot of talk because of Eternal Masters about the reserve list, and is it good? Is it bad? Should it exist? Should it not? Why is it there? All this stuff. Uh, what do you guys you, you want to weigh in a little bit? I thought we'd give you the chance. Sure. Yeah. I I am. Um... I'm not like an eternal player. I don't play modern or I'm not a constructed player outside of EDH, period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so from that standpoint, I have like no opinion. But as as far as a commander player who wants things to be cheaper, I think it's better if the reserve list is gone. And I also think that the reserve list is just outdated anyways. I think it was a, a response to a problem that they had um, that they created and it was a correct and wicked response to it and everyone seemed happy with it but i think it's like outlived its usefulness a bit i think they've learned the lessons uh to to not do that again and to to make it so that you know um uh, they don't repeat those mistakes i think now the biggest problem if they want to get rid of it and we know what mark rosewater like hates it right he wants to get rid of it he does it, hate is, it. it is a hassle for him as a yeah i don't know he's ever come out and said he wants to get designer. rid of it I but think- he's well, I think he's at least said he doesn't. He said like it. he doesn't yeah. like it. There's a um, difference, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. So, um, but I think now the the biggest problem is just like if they were to, how do they do it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of you know theories put forth how how they could or should handle it, and I have no idea about those. I don't know what would actually work. It seems like you can say, oh, we're going to re- get rid of the reserve list in th- four years, but then like it's like, well, people still know it's going to go away, so you, it's the same thing as if you did it in two weeks, I guess. But, yeah, um, there's a guy on uh, Twitter. Of course, we're all on Twitter, but Steve Guillerm, he's his Twitter handle is at Steve Explosion. He wrote an article on Gathering Magic that explained or kind of laid out a way to do it. And one of the reasons to do it in a staged, overtime uh, fashion is the confidence that people would have in Wizards of the Coast. <clears throat> Good call, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, what he pointed out is that if Wizards were suddenly to you know just say, oh, we're going to reprint cards from the reserve list and then release them mm-hmm. uh, into the public, 
we would lose confidence in Wizards. It looks like a money grab. We would think that Wizards was suddenly uncertain. Its foundation had been shaken, mm-hmm. right? And he points out that if we say five years from now, we're going to start printing dual lands, we're going to start printing a few reserve list cards every year, we wouldn't lose that confidence in Wizards. The price of the cards wouldn't plummet like right. it would. And so investors, I hate that term in magic in a magic sense, but investors wouldn't lose all of their money and would still be able to play the game or we would still be able to play the game. Yeah. I I think overall that is a a good thing and something that I hope happens because if they start printing reserved list stuff, those people get uh, the people who want it, get their hands on it and maybe it becomes available in other formats. I don't know if that would happen, but if it did, that certainly would push out other cards that would push them into the hands of EDH players. And yeah. that would be I mean, would it? Like, I, think the I, res- don't, I don't think I think really the reserve list should go too, but we've seen with uh, Tormogorf's the go-to example, right? It's just still right. not attainable, really, yeah. even though they reprinted it in mm-hmm. two sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like people are like clamoring the, for them to reprint these cards, and like my feeling is probably if they did in the way that you're talking about, it would be in a similar fashion, in which case they're still going to be $100, so does it really matter? Yeah, but underground seas wouldn't be four hundred dollars for the white border version. Right? True, and I'm I'm talking as a guy. I'm lucky enough. I didn't. I I still wince every time I think about your flood. Josh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, good times. But I'm lucky enough. I didn't lose all of my cards in a flood, or because my mom threw them out, or anything like that. I still have all the dual lands, and so that represents a huge amount of value in my magic collection. And I want dual lands reprinted. Yeah. If only so that you never have to play a guild gate again. Wow. <laughs> I still would though, because <laughs> I'm not paying a hundred dollars for yeah. them. Like, you but know, you would I just have the pack. ones I have. I just look at like and, what happened. With, you know, you would go to uh, Frank and sons and you would buy a case of this, whatever yes. supplement. Well, I'm in. definitely buying like six cases of Eternal <laughs> masters. Let's, let's be, let's be real. What yeah. happened with vintage masters online though? Like it just brought though a lot of those cards down to a more, way more reasonable price. And now, well, online is totally different Online thing. is, is, is yeah. very different, but like that effect is still something that was positive. I mean, I'm not arguing against them doing no, it. No, I yeah, think yeah. they should totally do it. Do it. I just am cautioning people to think that that would like solve their problems and they would be able to have as many underground seas as they oh, want. No. You no, can't certainly. have as many Tarmogors right, no. as you want yeah. right now. It would be the same thing, I, I think. think. It just makes it more uh, you know, uh, uh, obtainable for people, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, people are... Uh, I heard an interesting idea is where instead of... Because it seems as though... It's not like people are clamoring to get into Legacy or Vintage, right? People are clamoring to get into modern if anything and standard but certainly not those older formats i don't think wizards cares that much about those older formats i heard a really interesting idea of uh because commander players is kind of the big need for dual lands we all want them uh and we can only play one of each in our deck anyway uh, of, of printing legendary lands that are essentially untapped duels but you can only play one of them in your deck so for commander it doesn't make a difference and for constructive formats and for people in the collectors it wouldn't destroy the value of their big big bad lands so the functional difference there would say it would, it would say on the card you may only play one of these in your deck right because it is a legendary or or no it's just, just a legendary it's land. just legendary land so you could play four but every time you play another one it would you know you'd have mm. to discard one well they can't they can't reprint it in a functional sense mm-hmm. right and i wonder if that would well i i know they defined what functional means and i'm not sure if legendary counts right i think the ability to only have one in play at any time is pretty close to not 
close. You then have to ban the duels out of EDH though, right? right? Because otherwise, I'd still want the duels. It would right. just be like another command tower kind of. Right, but you would you would do it in a way that's like, no, look, hey, now if you didn't have any duels, now you have access to fetchable duels that do what you want and are essentially the same power level for commanders. That's true. Instead of somebody having yeah, five du- five duels, you have zero. They have ten, and you have five. Right. That's better. Yeah, yeah. it's true. I, I do think they're. Uh, I remember something. Maybe it was on Mark Rosewater's blog or something like that. Um, where they said, like, uh, Wizards does not want to print a card that's better than a basic land. Um, like, they don't want to print yeah, something that, that comes into play and just is two colors anymore. They don't want to do that. There should always be a downside if you mm-hmm. want that ability, basically. So that sounds like they... Like Command that, Tower. That goes against what they want, right? Command Tower. Command Tower is not playable in those formats at all. Right, right. Okay, so... Le- yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Point. So this... Like I like the thought, like maybe they could like maneuver around it and build something just for Commander. Yeah, they, um, they that would stri- be cool. They use strictly better uh, as it should be. You know, in in they actually mean strictly better when they say it. Yes, exactly. And they don't want to reprint yeah. anything that's strictly better than a basic land. Yes, it's, it's, that's exactly right. it. Yeah. All right. Interesting. All right. Uh, another. <laughs> I like this question a lot. Who do you guys think the most powerful Commander is out right now? Out and about, not banned, ready to rock. No hedging, one. Yeah, I yeah, got one. one. Easy. Go. Yeah. Mizzix. Karlov. Karlov, really? Narset. Narset. Yeah. Mizzix. I'll put Mizzix at two. Yeah, I've played Mizzix enough Karlov, now. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, really? Wow. Also, I think... I think uh, <laughs> you my... played a lot of Mizzix, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've both played... I've played Mizzix and played against Karlov. Right. And right. Karlov, by turn three, can be an 8-8 creature. If you do it properly, and then uh, life gets very difficult if you're not playing Karlov. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. For I me, feel like Mizzix would just bounce it yeah, and then Mizzix. never let you cast it again. Yeah. For me, Narset, because it is one much better than Mizzix in a 1v1 format if yeah. you're playing one yes. person, and also is very hard to stop. She's not casting the spells, right? No, no, she is casting the spells, but like at the same time, it's like getting four free spells off the top of your deck. Is on turn four or five or whatever. Well, and the is, way the good Narset decks are built mm-hmm. are that the spell is always an extra attack turn phase spell. or an extra turn, turn yeah. and so it, it sort of turns into another spell, into another spell, yeah. into another spell. And usually, yeah. good Narset decks are like if they get one swing, it's you're over. probably dead. Yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. with Mizzix, you kind of have to build up the yep. experience counters over time. You can always hold up stuff at instant speed, but for instance, I think if Mizzix played Narset. And Narset just wanted to end the game, it'd be very hard for Mizzix to stop them because they never get to untap after Narset swings once. You know, it's funny. That reflects this conversation reflects my bias because we don't see a lot of Narset. Same because here. You have to be morally bankrupt to play. Narset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Narset is it built correctly, and you see this. Yeah. We don't have have a powerful Narset deck in our playgroup, but at local LGSs, we, I've seen it often, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the deck is always extremely powerful, and it feels unbeatable um, because of the natural hex proof on Narset does so much yeah, right yeah. because it's just so hard to respond to a hexproof creature that naturally has it mm-hmm. you know, because most of your instant speed removal is gone and then you're sort of left with instant speed board wipe right and that's yeah. just hard there's not many or you're like your arc or um hope uh, you counter it arcane lighthouse like, yeah, and, yeah grave packs and some things can do some, things about yeah, it yeah. but it's if if the narset player is making sure that those specific things don't hit the table then you're down to like eat a merciless executioner but a lot of times you don't have a chance to deploy that type no, of thing no, exactly. because it goes yeah. Narset, uh, Swift Foot Boots, attack. Yep. Okay. 
You know, well, yay magic. And if they had, then they should have been able to set up the top of their deck before then. Yeah, they got a scroll rack, right. brainstorm, a, brainstorm, a brainstorm, yeah, Jason Mind Sculptor. Yeah. I've actually never played against the Narset. Oh my! I've God. only heard well, these horror stories. It's, it's a fun super and, expensive deck because yeah. all the most expensive, well, not the most expensive, but. Everything that fixes the top of your library is an expensive card. Yeah, Chase yeah, the yeah. Mind Sculptor, Scroll well, Rack. We have a couple Sensei's of guys divine, in our meta who are like... Divining Top the, Siobhan. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we have a couple top. guys in our meta who are running the, like that kind of stuff. No, like who are running expensive They got Jaleva then instead of Narset or something. Yeah, right? they, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that deck is also Yelva. very hard to beat as well. We had... What would we, we have? have a, that was running that kind of stuff. I yeah, can't remember. A properly constructed uh, Yelova. Jaleva. Jaleva. We have now we've now found the proper pronunciation yes. of that. Jaleva. Um, Jaleva. Jaleva. It's a, it's a real name. Wait, that's actually how you pronounce and it? That yeah, is actually how you pronounce Get it. Yeah. Out of here. I didn't know that either until like I pointed out on Twitter. I thought you us. were just joking, doing no. your Canadian jokes. Jaleva. Well, first of all, I know. So, uh, you know what? We cannot get into this right now. We cannot get into this debate right just now. Just the the quick version. Go yeah, ahead. it's it's. I thought it was uh, Yaleva because I have a friend named Yelena. And it's one letter off, but I was wrong. It's Jaleva. So anyway, it's with a J, like a J. It's a Z H. Doctor Javago. What the heck? That's both a Z H though. Okay. Anyway, anyway, there we go. Let's get back on uh, track here. All right. We are not easily distracted. Um, Okay. So yeah. So to the next topic, we're going to be looking ahead. These are some interesting ones. Um, the first question is, how do you feel about the state of the format? Rock solid. Don't change anything. We're good. (laughs) Just kidding. Done. Ten. Ten. <laughs> I feel about the state of the yeah. format. Ten. That's not how you feel, Jimmy. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. is. Ten. Ten. It sure is. Ten out of ten, baby. Believe it. I think, I think right now the format's doing well, but the recent spikes that are largely due to both speculators moving into the market and modern, right? Mm-hmm. And I realize that the Brainstorm Brew guys say that it's not speculators. It's just a supply-demand thing, and I agree with that, right? But it's a supply and demand that's based largely on modern. As modern ranks swell, those prices go up, which means that a lot of cards we care about are going to be very expensive. So you think the state of format is hurt by the price of cards? I think it's hurt by the price of cards, yeah. I think there's a lot of cards that go up because of EDH, though, too. They might go up a bit slower, but they yeah, they well, certainly... send triplets. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at chromatic lantern. Chromatic lantern. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and you had plenty of time to buy into chromatic lanterns mm-hmm. when they were two dollars, but especially when I named it the number one artifact in EDH. That's yeah. what did it. I did it. I did it, boys. That was a good call. Yeah, I knew they were going to make that rule. I change. said solemn simulacrum. It's pretty good. That card is amazing too. Yeah, Solemn's awesome. Um, I f- I, th- I would agree. I think rising card prices makes it harder for a new player to enter the market. At the same time, Wizards uh, seems to be catering every set to commander in different ways i think the cons block uh i mean one it helps with story yes. to have legendary creatures and stuff but it also really helps when they do it in a way that gives you cool commanders i mean we got narset and offensa uh, zergo and these are all commanders that our play group plays out of a single block yeah you know and that's really exciting um at the same time though it's true rising card prices does not make it easy for people to jump in and a lot of the best cards in edh are modern playable well, especially if we start relying more on fetch lands. Mm-hmm. Fetch lands then were competing directly with both modern and legacy players, right? So, play your guild gates. <laughs> I mean, we're always we're always going Damn to be. You hold hashtag guild gates. Here we go. <laughs> we're always going to be like the best cards are very often going to overlap with those two right. formats. They're mm-hmm. not always, but you know, Snapcaster is still going to always be good in in Commander. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not as good as it is in Modern, but it's still very good. You know, there's always going to be those cards. I think. I mean, I, I think people who listen to the show know that I'm sort of a big 
not a proponent, but I'm understanding of that aspect of the game, right. of the value of cards and mm-hmm. that being part of the allure and the brand of magic mm-hmm. uh, and a big piece of it. And I think bigger than most people realize. Well, it's an aspirational effect. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I think card prices are probably too high. It's just their ability to turn that knob so specifically, I think, is not what people think it is. They 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 can't make every card like five dollars. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, they yeah. can make them all cheap or make them more expensive. They don't have that kind of precision. So I understand, um, and I I think we've got two reprint sets coming out this summer. Yeah. So hopefully they're aware of it. And if we keep doing this, now we'll have twice as many reprint sets, yeah. maybe. If this is going forward, we're going to do something like this. That's going to be helpful. Yeah, mm-hmm. you totally, know? yeah. But that- we've talked about before, just last show, Damnation's a card we've been calling for a reprint, and they've had so many chances in just the last few years to reprint it from both Modern Masters sets to Commander products from the Vault Annihilation. They've right. declined to reprint that card that's just very expensive for no good reason and there's a lot of cards like that so i do agree with you on some level that uh card prices being really high it's it's tough i'm not not so much for new players just for anybody but mm-hmm. it, yeah it, i mean as the host pass. of a budget podcast we come across this a lot yeah we come across the like building a deck uh, one week and then the next week Oh, a yeah. card in that deck has shot up and now has made that deck not our budget brew anymore. You liars. We, you guys we, are we, awful. We did, we did the pre-cons, right? And we, we took the pre-con decks and we, we added $15 worth of cards to them so mm-hmm. that you get a $50 deck, right? Right. We did it with Mizzix, and we added um, uh, the buyback. Um, Reiterate. Reiterate. Oh, yeah. And we went up like, like $20. The next, de- the next like, couple days later, it was like, Sean's like, have you seen how much Reiterate is right now? And it's like, when we did it, it was a $4 card, and then oh. the next it's like $24. So It's all because um, of you guys, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure it was, yeah. Well, there's proof that EDH can push prices because of course all can. of those prices rose yes. because of the Commander product. And, and that, that's totally, totally true, right? And uh, I, really, um, I really think we have a bigger impact on... Uh, not uh, these four people here, although maybe, but um, but uh, the the format has a larger impact on the on the, the the card prices than we might want to admit. And EDH is a very popular format now. Casual is more popular than competitive mm-hmm. by far, by mm-hmm. far, by not far, even yeah. close, right? So people who are sitting around and playing Magic for the first time might do a little draft or build their own little kind of dinky sixty card deck out of whatever cards they have, but then they're probably going to just start playing Commander because it's like, well, I've got. 200 cards and they can all do this. I mean, that's what I did. I didn't even know. And I don't have yeah, four yeah. of everything exactly. and I don't want to go get four of everything. So, so everyone's doing it. Everyone's picking it up and, and I don't, I'm not as upset with modern as uh, say, I oh, don't know, the commander in the podcast is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're a little salty with modern. We're, yeah, we're they're a little, a little salty. salty about it. Yeah. yeah well, a little salty you're like about upset modern. with modern. Well, the format. Say they have a saying with, um, with modern, the format in particular because of the behavior it drives in terms of spiking up the price. Yeah, of just, cards. just for uh, pure for price reasons. But like, but like Jimmy said, actually, the last couple sets they've put out have been fantastic for yeah. Commander. Yep. And you might like, and I was, I got caught up with lamenting like, oh man, like, you know, all these, um, these cards are expensive now because of Modern. And then, yeah. but then look at Cons of Tarkir, it had so many great cards in yeah. it. So I, I'm pretty pleased with it. I think, I think looking back a few years from now, we're all going to say that Cons of Tarkir is one of the best sets Wizards oh, has mm-hmm. ever released. For sure. Yeah. I agree. I'm um, saying that right now. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I'm willing to say that right <laughs> I'm now. I'm willing to say it right now as well. It was fantastic. I put my money where my mouth is. I bought like eight <laughs> cases of it. Yeah. Uh, the last thing about I'll say about the state of the format is I think EDH is growing very rapidly. Um, going to Grand Prix, I was at GP Oakland. And, yeah. And seeing so many people play Commander and have different decks and cards that I'd never seen. Right. Really exciting. Really cool. Um, also, notably, there is, I think, 
EDH specifically has one of the most diverse fan bases, both in terms of gender and race, mm-hmm. uh, which is great because it is more casual than your regular spiky format. And it is very, very, very comforting and very nice to see that there are lots of people able to enjoy this, both eight, like young to old, female to male. Um, and yeah, just basically anything under the sun slash rainbow. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I, we've been doing this podcast for what? Almost two years now. Yep. It feels like the leap that EDH has taken just in that yeah. amount of type time is is really big like when we started i feel like it was pretty niche and you know people played it and knew about it but not like now it feels like it's just all over the place and and wizards talks about it a lot more than mm-hmm. they used to and it gets mentioned it in, in articles Cup. yeah exactly yep and that's only right. been a couple of years that i you know we've been paying attention and looking at it and that's a big leap in that amount of time so i i feel like the format's in a pretty good place yeah um you know and and obviously the growth is showing that not yep. to mention when we started, there were maybe a few podcasts, and now there's close to like fifteen to twenty, probably. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, get those guys out of here. That's I mean, that's a, that's part of the evidence for it, and yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that just shows just how much people love the format. Yep. Hey, I have a question for Andy, though. Sure. Are you playing a like, guild gate in your next deck? Of course, you know I am. Great, great. Now, do you have stacks? High five of here. hibernations end and reconnaissance. Like when you're hoping that those <laughs> those are the ones up. I always tell so people like, that I love. Yeah, like oh. Jason Alt and uh, and his seances. No, I have one hibernations end, and oh. I don't even own a reconnaissance. You don't? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh. That's more of a Tabaris card that I just remember that he found. So <laughs> got it. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Hibernation's right. End is a cool card, but it's I've been playing in some decks. It's like it's not as good as I thought it was, but it's it is still really good. I'm yeah. buying it out of TCG Player right now. <laughs> Bam. All the foils got, you won't be able to find any foils now. Twenty four dollars. Jimmy's on the foils. It's got such yeah, cute yeah. polar bears. Isn't on it cute? It. Damn bears. speculators! <laughs> it's me. All right, Arr, the pirate Jimmy. Um, next I, question. Looking I just bought ahead. five. Oh, very nice. <laughs> what do you guys think the biggest issue facing EDH right now is? Oh well, I. Guild I think Gates? it's the price. Oh, and right, Guild right. Gates. Price, That's price. number two. The price? So Sorry. it's the same as the... Yeah. My biggest issue is actually the cost of some cards that we want to play. And not the... Uh, granted, you know, cons just... Um, cons just release a whole bunch of cards that we can use. Uh, Battle for Zendikar. This block has released a whole bunch of cards that we're gonna, we can use. Yeah. I think that the moment you go, well, as soon as you try to reach back like five or six years, those prices start to go up way too high. And I'm not a budget brewer. And um, as you know, you may recall from the trip to Frankenstein's we just took where I bought a few cards. Um, <laughs> but I, I, think about, I think about how fun it is to play some of these cards. And I don't want somebody to walk up and have to pay, you know, seven or eight dollars for a simple, you know, like even uh, I won't name the cards, but because I hate them, but some of those cards are like 10 bucks. He must mean Phyrexian cards. I was going to say, and oh, Phyrexian cards. Phyrexian and cards right. even, Gates would never be that expensive. Even the Bill Vorth, for those reasons, does not talk about Phyrexians and won't even speak of it. It's kind of like an Ohio State and Michigan fan, how they won't say the names of the opposing schools. It's <laughs> <laughs> just bad juju. Yeah. Well, you, and you look at some of those cards and they're $24, right? And I don't think that I love the players. What do you mean, those cards? Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean, those cards? Children would like to have a word with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I see that as uh, the biggest issue right now. Otherwise, I think the Commander cards that come out, you know, the Commander series, mm-hmm. I don't agree with the press professor necessarily with that he, you know, he believes that it's ruining Commander because eventually we'll end up with a whole bunch of cards that are just from the Commander series. Um, oh no! <laughs> more yeah. cards, right? More cards. No, no. That's kind of the way I look at it. And I think I think those benefit us. They introduce new players to the format. 
I just think that the moment those new players want to tune their decks in order to play, you know, for example, a Slivers deck, mm-hmm. right? They suddenly have to spend a few hundred dollars in order to play something that's respectable at a at a at a shop. I don't know if anyone's going to respect a Slivers deck. No, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, I I, I know what you mean. Um, I (laughs) I don't think that's the biggest issue facing EDH right now. It just feels like a magic issue. I think it's it's certainly a magic issue. And I mean, let's not kid around. Cards are at their all time highs in terms of like buying in the standard right now could cost you upwards of eight hundred dollars, which is insane. Jace the Mind Sculptor is not as expensive as Jace Friends Prodigy. That is. It's also not as good. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's that's supposed to be the entry format. That's supposed to be standard, the one that yeah. you get into it, a standard, right? Right. Yeah. And it's eight hundred bucks for the yeah. top tier deck. It's insane. I mean, maybe it is good for EDH that you get one product every single year that is like a perfect uh, Christmas gift slash Kwanzaa gift slash Hanukkah gift. <laughs> slash I do, whatever holiday that you celebrate. I'll say yes. this: I, I do like <laughs> drafting and then trading in those very expensive cards yeah. and buying yeah. older, slightly less expensive commander that stuff. Is nice. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I personally think the biggest issue facing EDH right now is the growing uh, schism, chasm, whatever you want to call it, between Wizards and the Rules Committee. Uh, I think wow. at a certain, oh. I think at a certain point, it's going to cross a line and it's going to jump the shark with something, and it's going to there's it's there's going to be a, a turning of the tides. So, can, can you explain what like what what you're seeing? In, in uh, well, Josh raised his hand and pointed to the sky when I sure said, "Sure did." It. Um, I think the first one was the sort of the the tuck rule was what sort of started it off. And the way that Sheldon justified it and how he typed up his justifications for it and sort of using his quote-unquote empirical data from a very locally sourced small player group, I think, was something that immediately gave me huge warning signs mm-hmm. because that is like a central government working and we are in, you know, it, it doesn't work in a way that, let's say, the United States works where each state has their own government and mm-hmm. they can look over things because they can see it immediately in that area. So it was tough to see that. And I think Wizards just has access to more money, time, and and ability to hire people right. to do the job with more data and make more informed decisions. Right. So, um, snap. Yeah. No, I, I think that I don't, makes yep. a ton of sense. Yeah. You know, and I think we've been guilty of this in the past, and I don't want to lay it all at Sheldon's feet. And I feel like the Tuck Rule specifically, because he had written an article very recent to that tuck rule change talking about the tuck rule i mean sorry talking about cards that use tuck Mm -hmm. i don't think he was even necessarily i'm reading between the lines i don't know this stuff for sure um but i don't i didn't get the feeling that he had championed we need to change the tuck rule so i don't want to say sheldon menry right the rules as a person but the rules committee i i do agree is an issue and to me it's the biggest issue right now it's just that it's a format that's growing. It's very, very large. A lot of people play it. And yet it's being governed by a pretty small body with not a lot of statistical data. So all the choices that are being made are being made based on, I don't even know what, Mm -hmm. you know, last time, this time they talked about computer models and simulations for some of the reasons that they made rule changes, but those were spreadsheets. We don't even know what that means. Yeah. That means somebody typed it in a computer. Like, what does that no. mean? Like, yeah, yeah. How- and they, he specifically said it was basically uh, Gavin. I think put together a spreadsheet and analyzed um, how uh, the Mulligan rule would have actually affect your first hand draw. And that's easy because it has that's to do math. with like I just could do math. that math yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. You don't need to run a bunch of computer simulations with like different cards and stuff. It's just like how much mana do I have? How many yeah. cards total in my deck? There, statistical chance of drawings three, four, five, whatever. Yeah. yeah. What 
what really kills me about this is wizards really should have all of this data, right? Because they um, have an online product Correct. that a couple of people might play. Yep. And people tend to play Commander on it. Now, my understanding mm. of that uh, community is that it's a little bit warped, but they it's have data. Dual. They should be able to record which cards are in use and mm-hmm. how many times they're being used and what's being tutored for and be able to identify the problem would, cards. Warped or not, it would be based on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, more than it is now. I feel like if we go down the list of changes that yep. have happened, we talked about the Tuck Rule, the Vancouver Mulligan, the Abolishment of Rule 4, we recently banned... Uh, Profit of crew fix, which we didn't talk about in profit, maybe we will in a second. Um, we also had a big shakeup in sort of like they changed from like band is only to go commanders mm-hmm. to like we don't have that anymore. Now we're just doing band or not band. Metal mm. worker came off. A lot of stuff happened. I don't know if I agree with all the changes. It doesn't have to do with that. It just has to do with how are those decisions being made? Yeah. Right. yeah. So like, I don't know. Um, I think Jimmy's got it. To, to play like devil's advocate a bit, though. So if you want Wizards to handle this, first of all, their online product is not like the best place to do it, right? There are, the Magic that's online, not where they're doing it. It's where they're gathering some of the data to make the decisions. Right, and it's not super reliable, I don't think, right? Magic Online is not a place where commander players go to play multiplayer games generally. I know there are some people who right. do it, but there's not very many. I, I couldn't find a multiplayer commander game for a long time and we were actively looking to try and just like oh i wonder if there's any public just like free for all games going barely any at any right. time you really have to schedule them with people um and and we don't know enough people that play it so it's it's a dual uh a format online and it's it's really super warped and they don't play with the french rules even so mm. it's just like this free for all <laughs> one-on-one weird format right and that's not really what commander is so and and, and i think they could make it that and they they should but I don't think that's anywhere near their priorities for Magic Online. I don't well, think they want to turn it into the commander, like to make it play commander on there. I mean, like, ideally they might want to, but they got to figure out how to not have all their cards bugged and how to make their their, their tournaments work. I, I don't think it would have all this. Yeah, you know I don't think mean? it would have to do with commander specifically on MTGO. It would just be using some data points from that to make some sort of, you know, at least have some sort of data that you're gathering. I mean, any data has got to be better than no data, right? That's well. That's assuming that they have that the rules committee has no data. But they would say they have they some. Do, they have said <laughs> they don't have any data, and he has said specifically that it would cost two quote, million dollars. Two million dollars. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where that number comes from, but it would cost two million dollars to get yeah. the data they need to make their decisions based on data. So if anybody wants to give us two million dollars, then we'll do it based on data. I mean, that's basically exactly word for word yep. what he said sure, many yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many things wrong with that statement. I won't even start with that. <laughs> um, so what we know, they don't base it on data. Right. So that's scary. And the other thing, and I've said this before, Wizards is a company. I have leverage against a company as a player, right? which means a group of players, yes. a large group of players, commander players as a group, have leverage against WotC to make things happen that we want to happen. Yeah. We have our wallet. We've seen that Wizards responds to our wallet. Mm -hmm. They brought back the modern PT when they weren't going to do it. They've done a million things over the last couple of years just based on social media pressure. And so we can't exert any sort of influence over the rules committee, but Wizards we can because Mm -hmm. they're a business and they worry about their bottom line. And so it would be really nice to have some way to affect the way that the format is run because modern players do. It's not the best but they have something. Mm-hmm. Standard players do. It's not the best, but they have something. They can appeal to Wizards of the Coast. We don't have anything. Is yeah. there some sort of hybrid 
thing where the rules committee maybe like wizards opens up you know this you know mythical data that may or may not exist that wizards the rules just, committee can then use and wizards look at like, would a, we has, would we be happy with that is what i'm saying they honestly if i mean if they really wanted to they could think about hiring some of the people from the rules committee yeah, yeah i don't even company, think those people are know? necessarily bad it's not like hey we should get rid of sheldon and and yeah, yeah. like just why isn't sheldon work for wizards you know, it could be. A, he technically could, has. He's Judge Emeritus. You know, he's well. Yeah. As we know, judges don't actually work for Wizards of the yeah, Coast, yeah. which right. is weird. Um, <laughs> but he wouldn't even have to be full time employee. He could be a consultant, but some way that Wizards is actually the one in charge. So that when I am like, you know, when not just me, but all of us have our pitchforks and our torches out, and we're like at the gates, being like, "Hey, we don't think the Tuck rule is good." Somebody might listen to us, mm-hmm. and, and that's just an example. Yeah, yeah. I think overall. Just so we're clear, I know most people like the tuck rule, even yeah. though I don't. And so that's fine. I'm mm-hmm. fine with the tuck rule change. Um, but if we just had a rule sure. that everybody didn't like or the majority of people didn't like and it got changed, like we would have a way to, to get yeah. the majority through. We don't have it. Yeah, it's yeah. also a disconnect uh, for new players. Just like they, they're smoothing out the mana rule, just like they're smoothing out the uh, mulligans. Now... Uh, for a new player to come on, they have to understand that Commander is actually ruled by a rules committee that has nothing directly to do with Wizards of the Coast. And you have to go to a separate website because Wizards of the Coast doesn't mm-hmm. even update their Commander rules. Yep. Right. Oh, wow. They have no incentive to, even though they should. Right. But, yeah, there, it's, it's we, tough. We should say there is cooperation between the rules committee and Wizards. Yes. And Wizards does have a person or a couple people yeah. that are part of the rules committee um, but it's not like an official thing. But there, there does have to be because of Magic Online. They have to change rules yeah. to match. So when the Tuck rule changed, they had to go on Magic Online and change a bunch of coding. So people had to like talk and make sure that that was going to be possible and things like that. So there's communication. It's just not the way that, that I personally would like it as far as like Wizards is not like where the buck stops. Yeah. Well, the cards on Gatherer do not reflect the current ban list of Commander. Yeah. Right. Their rules on their website, on the mothership, do not reflect the current rules of Commander, right? They but, need and to yet, every that. year, they release Commander product. Right. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah, it's um, it, a lot of it is meta-specific, and it's, it's tough to, I think, it, it, no matter what you do, to make blanket rule changes. And I think there's always going to be some people who don't like it. And mm-hmm. always people are like, well, it's fine in my meta. And like, well, no, it's a terrible problem in mine. And, you know, it's just going to be this weird format we have where it's like, well then make a house rule. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's like, that's not really the answer, but well, and well, we're seeing more yeah. of that too in the community. The community gets very upset and starts saying, you know, all sorts of rude things, but essentially don't listen to the rules committee. Do what you want. The rules committee is out of touch. Do what you want. Right? Yeah. Which is not good for the format no, either. Long term. I don't think it's, and, and we talked about the house rule yeah. thing, so I won't go into it. Yeah, again. Yeah. Um, I did want to, before I forget, Let's rewind to the looking back section, and let's talk about the Prophet of Crufix ban. So we talked about the other stuff, uh, but we didn't talk about this. Prophet of Crufix ban. Ten. Oh, we're not there yet, are we? You can. Ten. Nine. I have cooled on it. I thought I was in favor of it, and the more I think about it, I'm actually like a four now. Oh, a four slightly against. Yeah, I am slightly against it. And just because the more I thought about the less I could think of examples where profit of crew fix was like so much worse than anything else. Yeah, it's bad. Don't get me wrong. But so is Consecrated Sphinx. And so is Palancron. And so is totally, you know, I mean, those are bad things for me. It's a 10 because of the same thing you said about soul ring. It's like, well, now I get to put another card in there. 
Yeah. The thing about the Prophet of the Crucifix but, for me, though, it's like you draw extra cards of Consecrated Sphinx, and that demands immediate removal, but you don't get to play those cards immediately. You know, you don't get to empty your hand as you draw the cards and then slowly gain but more Prophet control of Crufix, over the board. But Prophet of Crucifix, if you play Prophet of Crucifix and you don't have card draw, then you might play two cards and be done. But I mean, you do. But that's still amazing. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. is like Prophet of Crucifix. It's not better than drawing seven cards. But, but being able to untap and mm. hold... Anything you want, any card in the history of magic in your colors right. in your hand is pretty powerful. You can have yeah. counterspell up for the rest of the game. Yeah, you but you could mean? do that with Prophet of Crucifix too. No, that's what I'm saying. Prophet of Crucifix allows. I mean, you I'm more... sorry. You could do that with Consecrated Sphinx too. Yeah, but I'm saying Prophet of Crucifix allows you more than just untapping uh, and being able to play stuff and flash stuff in. Is that you actually have? I mean, like the, it's just the fact that you get the extra turns. I think that's the big one for no, me. I, is you get I'm extra. Not, I am not debating that it's powerful because it is insanely powerful. But I our, think that's what but our format it. is about: insanely powerful stuff. And yep. I, I and I don't think that it's that much more insanely powerful than so many things that exist. And I'm just sort of against banning. I, I would take a lot of things off the ban list if I could, and I would definitely go through and take off as many things as I could. And the Soul Ring thing, just to counter that point, is Soul Ring's ubiquitous. It goes in literally every deck. Probably yeah. Crucifix goes in goes every blue-green blue deck. deck. Yeah, exactly. It's totally different. If that's I why, take that's that why I thought deck, it was never going to get banned. I thought there's no way they're going to ban this two-color card, even though it's Well, no here's the thing, though. It's like one Prophet of Crucifix costs five mana, and I think it really does warp the game. It does. It does. Here's the thing. is like if you don't have the cards in your hand and you play it out, then you're not playing it right. Right. You should have card And the game you should tends have ways to warp to around But if you have it to do things... It becomes about stealing it. it yeah, but about, so does Consecrated Sphinx. Well, then so does they Dead Eye Navigator. The, so, no, because you that can't. Too. But, like, like, Dead but Eye that Navigator is, that, requires mana for you to use it and abuse its ability. It just, I think it's the combination. It's just too much. It provides Prophet of Kufix requires much. cards. How's that different than requiring mana? It's just requiring a different resource. If you yeah. Ta- sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's just that, like, again, it's just the fact that you get the extra turns and are able to yeah. do stuff on people's other turns. There's just too much built into one card. Consecrated yeah. Sphinx is a flyer, and it can draw you cards, and the drawing cards is very powerful, but it's not like it also allows you to untap your lands or do something else ridiculous. If you tap out to play Profit, you're not tapping out to play it, really. Right? Right. Here's the thing, you have well, Profit. There's a very small window to get rid yeah, of it. Much you, like Dead Eye Navigator. You there's are. Yeah, any, that's any, what I'm saying. Any activation of Dead yeah. Eye Navigator, there's a very small window to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, so. and, and that window is, I play uh, Prophet of Crucifix, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's same with Dead Eye. Well, Dead, 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 Dead Eye is, is not go, it's one activation. when I activate. Yeah, exactly. yeah but Dead Eye also yeah. costs six mana and another two and on another top two. of that. Dead Eye, I mean, so it's an eight mana effect. It's an eight mana effect, and if you play it without having the ability, the ability to flicker it, then you're not doing it right. Right. Yeah. You know? But like yeah. with Profit, like I think just the downside of like, let's say you only have you have five cards in your hand in Profit, or you actually you have four cards in your hand in Profit. I, listen, you're explaining why it's powerful. I understand. <laughs> no, no, it's no, very I'm powerful. Is that the, the, I'm just saying, the, and you're how much more powerful than Dead Eye and. and Contrarian Sphinx is it? Is it a hundred times more powerful? No, it's significantly more. powerful. Is it twice as powerful? Yes. Yes, it's twice as more powerful than Dead Eye Navigator. I don't have a ton of experience with uh, Consecrated Sphinx. It's just a you shouldn't serious play that card. draw engine. <laughs> but it's a, but it's the same thing. You tap out to play Consecrated Sphinx. Well, it's got to survive for three or four right. turns, right? Uh, yeah. See, I think Prophet's like fifty percent more powerful than those two cards. It's very powerful. I'd those say, are, those yeah, other two cards yeah. should. Could, I be, just think could the, be banned, and a lot of people would well, be happy. About I think it. The but there you go. Like, if those guys are on the on the threshold of being <laughs> I'm banned, I'm just saying, like, there we are. Then, like, then there, then there's profit fifty percent. There's higher, always going to be something that's up there. Yeah, but in now we got dead eye. That's I, th- up I think there. I think it's got too many strikes against it. Yeah, see, and and so it's like, well, listen, we can't yeah. just ignore these. All these dead eye requires cards to make it good. Profit is good by no, itself. Profit literally requires cards. No, no, but here's what I'm saying. Profit yeah. at its worst. If you have zero cards in your hand and you have a profit of crucifix, not good. It sucks, but. At its best, it is so much better than those other cards. Much. 
Uh, no, because at its best, Consecrated Sphinx is just as good. Because at its best, it requires you to have a lot of mana. No, you could build you no. could build a deck around having activated abilities and then untap all of those yeah, every turn. Thing. Right? You can fate stitcher right. every turn. That's at okay, but with Consecrated Sphinx, you can have a ton of mana and a ton of cards. Yeah, but here's the thing is again, you can play the Prophet of Kruvix on turn five and have it have an immediate and a right. very powerful effect in one turn rotation. Whereas if you play Consecrated Sphinx on turn six and you go around one table, sure you've drawn a lot of cards. Okay, but so not at its best. No, no. You're, I'm talking. I'm countering your at its best argument. All right, but I, I think again, at the at its best here. Let's say by turn six. Just saying, profit of crew fix doesn't require other things is wrong. It does. It, it does. Requires I, cards. I'm not saying it doesn't require other things. I'm okay. saying that it's just way better than the other ones. Even if you have, like, let's say if you have a Conservate Sphinx and a bunch of mana, you still can't play your permanents that are not instant speed on someone okay. else's turn. But okay, so Kiki Jiki, or like I said, Dead and Ever, or Palancron, or there's a Niv Mizzet. There's a whole bunch of cards that require one other thing, and you just win. True. It's true. So then how is Prophet of <laughs> so much better of that? Well, Because if you require something else... The game doesn't warp around Kiki-Jiki the way it does It totally Prophet. warps around Kiki-Jiki. I don't think it does. You never I think, see... I think, I think it's a, it might become about well, killing it, Kiki-Jiki before yes. the player can do something, but it's not That's about, oh, with- I'm in my blue-black reanimator deck. I need to reanimate Kiki-Jiki right away. No, you reanimate Prophet of Prufix every time over Kiki Jiki for sure. Well, every yeah, time. but Consecrated Sphinx because, is the same because thing. it's like, that much more reanimated. Powerful, right? that. No, it's because it's Kiki powerful. Jiki works with the cards in the deck that have Kiki Jiki in it. Right. It doesn't work in the cards in the deck works that doesn't in, have Kiki Jiki in any, in any deck. Not necessarily. It gives it's not four, great it gives in any team four turns. Like Mizzix, Narset. Oh, it's great Mizzix in Mizzix. Why is it not good in Mizzix? It's okay. It's good in Mizzix because of mana, but Mizzix doesn't give a crap about it. Yeah, he's already giving you all the mana that you need. I know, but uh, but that's not saying it's not. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. You, Kiki Jiki's also not good in Mizzix, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying like there's another card that just wins. Niv Mizzix just wins. How is it? Profit is very good, but in those decks, Kiki Jiki could be more powerful than Profit in, in, in a deck built to take advantage of Kiki Jiki. For sure, I, but, I think you're right it, about and that. And then you're talking about a deck built to take advantage of profit of Krufix. How's that different? I, 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 yeah. And Kiki's a legendary. But yeah. You okay. can guaranteed have him. Yeah. Any Here, deck here's, can use a profit of Krufix. So let's Any take... Any deck at all. Let's, yeah. yeah. Again, let's take away the best case scenario and just think, if you're playing a red deck, do you automatically play Kiki Jiki? No. If you're playing blue-green deck, do you automatically play profit yes, of Krufix? Even before the commander. So I think that's part of the reason why it's If you're again, playing a deck, do you up. play Soul Ring? Yes. But that do you play Mana Crypt? Do you yeah. play Sensei's Diviving Top? Mana Crypt's If a bit we're banning all that stuff, wise. let's ban it, but we're not. I think that's an unfair comparison, though. Soul Ring and, and, and Prophet of Krufix. Um, Why? The game doesn't warp around Soul Ring. Right. If, it, <laughs> turn one Soul Ring is like. But the game doesn't warp around. It's powerful, but it doesn't it. win you the game in the way that Prophet can just win. I would you the love game. to see statistics. I bet turn one Soul Ring wins are like 10% better win percentage than anything oh, else. Yeah, if you can sure. probably true. I think at cast. Profit of Crucifix probably gives you not that. But the rest of the game for a long time until it's exiled or something becomes about right, getting Right, but a lot of times it's just it. killed. Yeah, but it, it, the yeah, game doesn't yeah. become about ending that Soul Ring's chant, like, chance of It life. doesn't, but it probably and, should. My guess is that a turn one Soul Ring, and it's got to be turn one or two, actually is a, enough accrued advantage that you wouldn't look at the game at the end of the game and be like, they won because of that Soul Ring because it hap- it's a weird yeah, way that it yeah, wins yeah, you yeah. the game, but I bet you it does. Well, here's if the, the game thing. goes beyond seven or eight turns... I bet tops the same but way. But here's the thing. No, no, here's the fundamental difference. Every deck can play those cards. Not every deck can play the Prophet. I think the ability to play blue-green was just... Ma- you were just having a better deck 
in general Absolutely. if you're able to but fetch Jimmy, out we played a lot profit. of games those Did are also you feel the best like colors blue green decks already. were like so much more powerful than the no other but decks? every time a profit was played and no one had anything to do i knew i wasn't winning that yeah, game yeah a profit without an answer is unstoppable but kiki jiki without an answer is unstoppable kiki jiki is not a card that every deck can play and had you have to build your deck to win with kiki jiki to be unstoppable right. but you like don't said, need to have the i'm taking away the best case scenario take answer. the average case scenario and and i think it's just very obvious that profit crucifix is better than kiki i think jiki. it is i'm just saying like the average case scenario for profit's not that great either it's you have know. to be you have to be i mean for, it's good basically for I think the average case scenario of profit is way, way better, better than the average way case scenario better. for a lot of these cards yep. put one counter spell in your hand and like get out it's over I think the average case scenario for Profit of Crew Fix is... Because I had many times where I played Profit, had Enough. two creatures and had no card draw. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, many times that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the lower case scenario. I think that's, that's, that's average. Lower case. That's average. It's not... Because <laughs> you're, like you said, every deck is playing it. So we were not talking about a deck that's built to take advantage of it because that's not every deck. We're yeah, not every deck should have We're not talking about draw, Tim right? deck. We're not talking about... Uh, Flicker deck because those are like made to, well Flicker if you've got Rune or something that you have to activate we're not talking about that because those are built to take advantage of it we're just talking about talking about average blue green deck it's fine you have to have a lot of creatures and you have to have a lot of card draw and it's very very good I'm not saying it's not very very good I'm just saying like there's a lot of cards that are very in, very good in an average blue green deck after you cast profit you are able to then empty your hand on the subsequent turns and I I, I will say this though like think about what a blue green deck does it's those right. two things well blue doesn't blue draws cards and green has creatures right like i mean green has I, ramp I, and blue it, draws cards they're the two most yeah, important right? things in commander so I th- and i think it's just a perfect it's just a perfect storm it's like you can't really point to one exact thing exactly but when you line them all up they're just overwhelming and i think that there were so many games where yeah i played my profit accrue fix I said go, mm-hmm. and and I and I got to have one extra turn. And you're and chuckling. Like, That's not broken. That's not broken. I didn't automatically win because of it. Let's. But there were also a lot of games where someone played it. We couldn't answer it for three or four turns, and oh. then that's it. And then they won. Or the whole game for the rest of the game becomes about getting the profit of crew fix. And like now we're not even really playing commander anymore. We're just like <laughs> I think there's cast, so many trying to, par- trying I think to cast a lot of dead on fall, it and everything that fall under and, that category. But okay. Listen, I agree. I, at, I totally to agree. With the discussion, you on that. To the but again, that's not the only thing, right? It's to end the discussion, coming. just one thought, and you guys can each answer. Sure. Profit of Crufix, when you played it, did you feel like oh, I cannot lose? When when you cast it, not when you untapped with it or whatever. The moment right. you cast it, how did that feel? Did it feel like insurrection? Okay, he, I, I'll say that when I cast Profit of Crufix, I felt like I have a way better chance of winning this game now if if this doesn't die. But, I mean, there's a lot of cards that fall in that category. Oh. Consecrated Sphinx feels exactly like that to me. I'm just it asking, doesn't feel like that way. No, because what if I draw, like, six lands off no, of it? Great. I feel like Prof, Consecrated Sphinx, I'm like, okay. I'm, I go, I go Consecrated Sphinx, sick card. I'm, this is, I'm definitely have a great creature. I, I'm, I have a chance here. Profit, I probably feel. I probably would feel better. Oh, I, I really think I do. Absolutely, I really better. think I, I think it's that much better. I would play profit, and I, you make sure that everybody's tapped out. You play profit, and you're like, "What are you going to do?" Feel like you can't lose. I, I'm. I am already ahead of the game, and I'm in a dominant position at that point. Our bet is pretty spiky, and if you gave me the choice of having consecrated sphinx or profit in my hand and able to play it on the right turn i would probably choose profit yeah because then you can play con sphinx (laughs) true 
Well, no, you're, if you can only have one, Phil, yeah, come yeah, on, don't cheat. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would choose profit. I would. But there are definitely times, I think, when Sphinx or Palancron or any of these cards I'm talking about yeah. I, I don't think Palancron does, needs to Palancron be just wins. It's just infinite mana. You win a lot of times. So Yeah, but you have to have to do something with that infinite mana. Yeah, and exactly. You have to have cards in your hand that are creatures to play with Prophet of Crewface. Man. But that's such a broad thing. I know, it is. It is. Yeah, it's more right? broad, but... Yeah. I, I, I can't count the amount of times I had Prophet Crucifix and two creatures in hand, and I played it and was like, sweet, cast a creature on your turn and in your turn. Now I got no cards. Probably shouldn't have cast it. <laughs> <laughs> but if I've got those three cards and I'm not winning right now, like, what am I going to do? Why would do you nothing? cast it then? Do, uh, just do nothing? You wouldn't. When, you wouldn't. When was the last time you only had three cards? There are when I look at a grip full of cards and say pass, even when they can't oh, do yeah, something, and I choose not to do yeah. that. Well, something. I'm a very bad player of Commander, as we all know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a lively discussion. That was great. Let's anyway. see. It ended with... Well, it's um, not like Josh is at a one out of ten. He's at a four. He's so. at yeah, a four. Listen, yeah, listen. Exactly. I, I just am Slightly s- against. I slightly am against. And most of that, I probably would be at a five, except for I'm just against banning. Yeah. I would... I, like, the. well, this is the next question. If you were on the rules committee, what would be your first major proposal? So I'll go mine first. I would look at the ban list and try and take things off it. That's the way I would go. I wouldn't mm, be trying to ban mm. more stuff. I'd be trying to... Get some things off the ban list. Get it smaller. Get it more consistent. It feels like there's stuff on there that's like less powerful than stuff that's not on there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially the early things. A lot of it feels pretty arbitrary. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So outside of profit, which we just had like an hour long discussion about, what, what, what would be the first thing you'd want to take off it? Just off the top of your head. Like, Say Mox what, Pearl. What makes you think Coalition Victory. <laughs> all, all the Moxes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I think I would probably the Sylvan Primordial or... Oh. That's probably what I would do, too. Yeah. I could see Sylvan We going. played with Sylvan a lot, and it wasn't that bad. Yeah. it's it. Listen, it it's can, powerful. Exactly, but yeah. I just named a whole bunch of cards. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a lot of powerful Same cards. Same discussion. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just think that's the first one that comes to mind. There's a number of cards on there that mm-hmm. I think are, are fine, and... People are going to think that I'm saying they're not strong. They're very strong. Of course, but yeah. There's so many very okay strong part, cards. It just seems... A lot of them seem arbitrary. They just seem like, I don't know why this is on there, and these other five cards that could be on there aren't. Right. I think you can take uh, trade secrets off, because if you have two consecrated sphinxes on the battlefield, it's essentially the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's a whole bunch of cards on there that I would take a hard look at. I, I don't know specifically, but my goal to the rules committee would be like, we need to get five cards off this ban list. Yeah. I don't, let's take a hard look and get five of them off there. Let's try and get this ban list down, because our format is about doing huge broken things that's the thing i would say not to get back in the profit thing is just that it does do what the format wants to do uh, the downside is it takes forever so i'm with it yeah ember cool take them off let's have them let's have them in the format grizzle <laughs> brand let's go baby I think the, pro- the issue yeah the issue with ember <laughs> we just cool want to play with is, these cards um it's legendary right you know what you can house rule them back in Oh, so go. we can have him as a commander. You could just guaranteed when it's going to happen. So I may never own one, but I'd like to have. Well, that's why the band is commander list was good. Um, list. I'll go next because I have one right off the top of my head. Also, I would, uh, um, I guess, uh, initiate the uh, um, uh, bringing in of the Nephilim as legendary creatures and as officially allowed to be commanders. Ah. Mm. Four color commanders, and they are good commanders. They have cool abilities that are the kind They're of crazy. stuff you see in commanders. Mark Rosewater himself has said he regrets not making them yep. legendary. So let's let's say that there is now a rule officially in commander where the Nephilim are allowed to be commanders. Mm-hmm. And immediately, you guys wouldn't be able to talk about them on your show because they would be forty dollars each. That's true. 
But now, <laughs> guess what they are right now? All around a dollar. Yeah. So pick up your Nephilims, everyone. <laughs> yeah, let's get ready. Andy's speculators. Andy's Evil speculators. Yeah. 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 I like yeah it. That's what I would do, man. Because the, we don't have them. So let's just make, let's just, the cards are there. Why not just add them in and have a blast with them? Uh, everybody knows I want four color commanders. You do, you do. And I, mm. I, so do I, man. Would be it be aesthetically like a little bit annoying? Yeah, though? I, I totally think that. Like it's kind of like, mm, they're not legendary though, which is how everyone feels now. Yeah. Tons of people house rule it and they allow them, but like officially they're not because it's just, just you not. sort of, you look over. I've played against them many times yeah. uh, at LGSs and TPs and stuff. And I'm always like, yeah, fine, play it because I don't care. You can play a band commander for all I care. Yeah. But I, it, you always look over and you're just like, it just looks kind of ugly. Yeah. And I yeah. don't, you know, that part of it's just, it's just yeah. a teeny annoyance. Yeah. Maybe they could like errata the cards to be legendary because they're not. And actually reprint them yeah. and they say legendary. Because they're not, they're not like, um, they're not played in any competitive format. But the it's rules like committee doesn't get to print cards, bro. That's true. Yeah. yeah Sorry. You nope. only get to Oracle. You're right. Sorry. We got to sure switch that so, up. Yeah. <laughs> what if I took a pen and I wrote legendary? <laughs> well, and legend, by, by, legendary. That's true. I would, I would petition wizards to do that. I think it'd be a fun move. Now. One quick aside. How do you pronounce that? N-E-P-H-I-L-I-M. Yeah, Nephilim. Well, I played enough Diablo to know it's pronounced Nephilim. Nephilim, yeah. Yeah. Nephilim sounds about right to me. Heffalumps and woozles. Okay. Heffalump? Heffalump. Yeah, Heffalumps. Yeah. Four-color Heffalump, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing four-color Heffalump. Yeah. It's Feldegriff minus the color, I guess. Yeah. Phil, okay. what would you do? I have three proposals. Whoa! Whoa no, yeah. What? No, we're this we're guy. He, come, he gets right. onto the rules committee and he's just going to change the whole <laughs> format. Look at this change. guy. The first thing I would do, and I have to thank Nate, Nate, my co-host for this, is I would propose a toast because <laughs> <laughs> because I, nice. I, I I made it. All right, okay. I propose right. a toast to me. I propose Acceptable. a toast. That's your first major proposal. Congratulations, rules committee. Acceptable. Oh, All right. What was and your second major the, proposal? The second major proposal I, I have, I would look at the infect rule. And I would, uh, okay. I would scale the infect. I'd recommend scaling the infect points needed to lose the game to something that's higher. What? How much? I would probably say something between 15 and 20. I would want to play test it. Maybe collect a little bit of data. 17.5 it is, 17.5. I would go 15. Our friend. Yeah, I would well, love our 15. friend. Your friend. Craig. Friend Craig right show. now is Craig like screaming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pulling yeah. his hair out. Yeah. yeah. I actually recently built an infect deck, and I, I found myself agreeing with Craig, actually. It's quite hard to win with an infect deck. Oh, it is, yeah. It's very hard to win. It's very easy to kill one player. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's true. Just yeah. to ice someone out of the game. Yeah. I mean, it's that's very certainly... easy to knock somebody out on turn five, yeah. but it's hard to actually knock the other two players. But the same thing is true for some Voltron commanders, right? It's easy to kill one guy, but then once everyone's had their chance to get their answers, then that Voltron player is kind of screwed up. Usually, though, your Rafik is bigger than a 1-1. One, one. Rafik is, is a special case. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, he is. He's boy, All right. Boy. Is your third proposal marriage to me? Um, no. Yes. Uh, Whoa. Oh, wow. Uh, this got on, super weird moment. really <laughs> fast. <laughs> I realize that neither of us really finds the other attractive. The <laughs> <laughs> marriage of convenience sounds like a man- commander to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anyone should be marrying one of you Americans, it's me. It's, it's oh, we got to live here, you guys. You I'm an actor for Christ's No, we want to move to Canada, not the other <laughs> yeah, way around. We, yeah, we are what? moving to Let's Canada. Swap. Things are not looking I too hot politically. A. Come on. No. You can say A whenever you want. No, we're not allowed to say that But you can't get that free Boy. All right, proposal number three. Sorry, Phil. Proposal number three. This is where I would, um, my personal um, bias against infinite combos comes into play. Mm. And that's where I believe that we should not be allowed to play infinite combos more than five times a wheel of the table. Five now, times per per wheel of the table, you mean? Per wheel of the table. So any action you take that's repetitive, you can do it five times total until your next turn? Right. And if you play any automatic infinite combos like Sanguine Bond and Exquisite Blood... 
you lose the game. <laughs> <laughs> the cards turn against you, yeah, and somehow, they stab you yeah. in the back, and well, you lose the and, game. And this is in part because um, uh, in, a, in a world where there are a lot of tutors, in particular for these infinite combos, and we can all name dozen, like we can all name yeah. together mm-hmm. easily a dozen without, without having to stretch. It does not reflect any skill at all, at all, to be, my New Yorker comes out, to be able to tutor for exquisite blood. What did I just prove? Oh, I can spend two mana, tutor for exquisite blood, get it, put it into play, and guess what? Everybody loses except me, right? But does putting Eldrazi Conscription on Rafik and swinging take any skill? Uh, no, it doesn't. So how is that different? Because you don't instantly win the game. Sure, you don't instantly win that way. Okay, and, and swinging right. at the person that doesn't have any creatures? Yeah, well, that's... I mean, you, you swing three times and you're good. You only got to swing once, man. You got to only swing once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's plus ten, and plus ten. Commander. Strike, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You just win when you do that. But, um, but but also you've added now you've added the oh well now this I just no the no squill right? quotient. Yeah. I'm yeah, just yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm. um, so basically ban infinite combos. Yeah, and it turns out it makes it a much more fun play experience if you don't have to worry about somebody dropping exquisite blood. I'm using that as the poster child, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, then all of a sudden the game becomes a lot more flexible, a lot more, you can take more risks, you can have more fun playing magic, right? But is less risk more fun? Maybe for you, but I like to jump out of airplanes. Well, it's the same reason the tuck rule, uh, uh, the tuck rule was changed, right? Yeah, yeah, Because you don't want to risk your commander going away, and if your commander goes away, that's no fun, right? It's essentially the same thing. By reducing the uh, number of times you can bring an infinite combo into play or a combo into play, you're allowing everybody at the table to have more fun. You are, in a, in a way, having you have to build a more solid deck because otherwise you just load up with tutors and boom, 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 you get it all done. Yeah, it, it, that, this is a meta thing again. Right? It is. Like, totally. If you yeah. have that guy in your meta or those people in your meta... That are doing that, it's like, well, this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, I'll say this, though. We were playing a game a couple of weeks ago, and any one of us would have killed for any one of us to get an infinite combo to end yeah, that game. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> that's actually why a lot of us build it in, is because our decks would just sit there and just slowly combat and get into stalls until someone's just like someone yeah. wins, and I, someone won the game. Please. Yeah, and I, and I can realize that not everyone has the, the, the discipline or, I don't know, the compassion that like we do where sometimes I'll have my infinite combo and just be mm-hmm. like, well, eh, no, I'm not going to play it right now because right. this is a fun interactive game and it's, you know, it's still pretty early and I think I can do this other cool thing instead. Right. Um, some people will just be like, well, I win yeah. game over. Let's play again. And that's fine. Actually, I think generally that's fine if it's happening a lot and, I, and it gets annoying. I can see that getting annoying. But again, I think that's a meta problem. Yeah. I, and this may come from my being in uh, an older meta where um, uh, most of the players comboed out by turn six. Right. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the combos were not fast. <laughs> right. And so that was murderous. You just sit there and watch them do these gymnastics and then win the game because like you stopped playing magic though. about 20 minutes ago. Right. And, you know, this is kind of, it seems to me just kind of. Yeah, it's just a part of magic, though. It's kind of built into the game. Storm is a is a thing that affects all aspects of magic, kind of right. Like, mm-hmm. so was Tuck. So was yeah. So was <laughs> Tuck. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't. I never real. I never had a problem with it. But then again, I come from a meta where it's not a problem. Right. So I, 
you know, I only have my own experiences well, to color my opinions. Here's to being on the rules committee. Here's to being the new <laughs> rules committee. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, a toast. This is definitely like a, a pretty hot button issue because we hear about it a lot from people. And it's a frustrating thing. I think people fall on both sides of the fence mm-hmm. pretty evenly mm-hmm. as far as like a lot of people really hate infinite combos. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are fine with it. It's yeah, it's interesting to to ban it. You know, I've always thought the idea of setting a cap on the amount of times you could repeat something was a good idea in theory. It's just in practice. In practice, it's hard. It's just to start like marking it down. Yeah, it's tough, and some infinite combos aren't. There's combos in the game that you could repeat something five times, but it's not infinite. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what what do we do in that instance? Well, there are actually two types, right? The voluntary infinite and the actual infinite, where you can't control it. Right, yes. There's other types, too, though. There's ones where it might be infinite, it might not. Mm-hmm. It depends sort of what's on the top, what's my top of my deck. Like, Narset can sort of... That's not infinite, but I could take seven turns in a row. Is that fine? Yeah. yeah. I, I also have, uh, have another question. Like, how would you... So I have, a, I have a Carador deck, and I'm sure lots of people have this same thing, where it's like... Uh, like a Revel Arc and a Safi Eric's daughter and a Sun Titan and a Karmic Guide and like that's like five cards and it's like sometimes it's the Revel Arc that's doing it but sometimes it's the Sun Titan and some you know what mm-hmm, I mean like yeah. you can I can switch that back enough times that like I'm just gonna win anyways probably with it yeah, yeah it's not infinite right yeah, Safi's yeah. doing it first time then yeah, it's Revel Arc exactly. then it's Karmic Guide then I'm doing you know I'm that's I can do each of those five times. That's 20 times. And that's going to be harder to do given it's five or six cards or whatever. So that's maybe everyone's just going to be fine with that. But I was thinking like maybe it's just limited to two card combos, right? Yeah, that that is a way to limit it. Um, uh, When I built League Rules about a year and a half ago, it revolved around the two card combo. Right, and I was very judgmental, and I called them degenerate combos because okay. you know it's really like, oh, I got this card, I got this card, I win. Right. Oh, look at me, I'm a great magic player. Right? Yeah. I love but, how you're hating on people who uh, you're you're basically calling everyone who uses two card combos or something like like they have no temp, they have no uh, talent, Go on. they have no play skill, Go on. they have no. Come on, man! I'm like, not disagreeing with any of yeah. this. Did I mention um, judgmental? Yeah, jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. No, but uh, and I'm I'm just using exquisite blood and sanguine bond as the poster child for that. But I've done it too. Earthcraft and squir- and squirrel nest. Right. Right. Um, That's not actually. Kiki Jiki. You need a haste enabler or earthcraft and school. Kiki Jiki and Zeal- zealous construct. Okay, that's one. Sure. Right. Um, Goblin and, bombardment. Right. And there but are you, ways that's to do a third it. card. Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah. It's not as zealous conference. Right? No, uh, Kiki makes haste. To, yes. to haste, so yeah. you don't need like I don't I don't think Kiki Jiki Splinter Twin or whatever it or whatever zealous uh, uh, yeah, or anything else Pestermite, yeah yeah any of those it, it counts in in my definition of the two card combo because yeah you can go off and make a million creatures if you want but then you still have to swing and attack well Kiki makes tokens that have haste that have oh haste. I know I know right. but they still have to attack like I bring out my arachnogenesis right if I have ghostly bam. prison. Right, so yeah. I think the attacking for me separates it a little bit, at least. Right, like, so it's I different mean, you, than you sanguine bond it, because but... that doesn't require another thing. That actually does the damage on the card. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then you have, like Jimmy said, a goblin bombardment out. But that's a then third that's card. A, no, that's three cards. Yeah. I'm talking about. Well, I'm not talking about just the two card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that two cards are the poster child, but those infinite combos. And like, I'm, and to be honest, the other day when we all played, I had one with Marath, right? And I walked through how to make it work with Marath, and it was like, okay, game's over. But we were also at the limit. We were kind of tired. We wanted to play other games. You wanted to draft Jimmy, right? And so it seemed like it was okay, plus I was willing to do it only five times if anybody raised a stink, but everybody was like, oh, all right, that's great. Boom, next game. Yeah. And so... See, that to me is like... 
Yeah, I'm totally fine. Yeah, there was, yeah. There was yeah. no animosity. We were like, yep, that's yep, exactly. There you go. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. And that no was skill a- involved. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so for me, that infinite combo, I just looked around the table. No one was upset at it. And it seemed like we wanted to end. And it was the end of a very long day for some of us. And so it was okay. But I wouldn't, I was, my next question was, is it okay? Because if it's not, then I won't do it. I'll only do it five times. Yeah, I mean, my issue with the five times thing is like you're gonna run into just it's very the same issue you guys had with is. doing the partial Paris thing wrong. Yeah, which is like I don't feel like that rule filters down to most players, and then so all of a sudden they don't even know. Like it's just really counterintuitive. It's not intuitive to how the and, game works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know it. It, it requires um, a level of abstraction of understanding the rules and being able to roll with it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's why kind of simply my proposal would be. No infinite combos, however many cards it takes, or only five times if it's a voluntary infinite combo. No matter how many cards it takes to do that. Basically, that loop, you run that loop five times. All right. Tough to police. Yeah, it's controversial. Yep. If I was on the rules committee, yes, my us. first major proposal would be uh, outside of, um, hey, contact Wizard, see if you guys can work together in a more <laughs> official capacity because you need no, info. No, be, it wouldn't be you guys. It, I mean, it'd be include you. You'd be on the rules You're committee. On yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Hey, scenario, yeah. I'm going to. Hey, oh, my let's... gosh. Oh, my gosh. I could talk to so many people. <laughs> I know all these people at Wizards I could talk to right now. Um, the, uh, the first thing I think I would propose would be more, um, I would want to start an initiative to start looking into alternate quote-unquote forms of commander um mm. i know a lot of people are got really interested in tiny leaders when it came out but it just wasn't a very well-developed format and it got solved very quickly and sort of just didn't have the proper supervision and sort of fathering mentoring mothering ability to sort of sit there and make it feel good are you saying it needed adults it needed some adults. <laughs> um, some large leaders with the tiny ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love to see EDH uh, expand out and say, you know, like, hey, we have this new mini format within EDH called Nephilims. Can we play as your commander? <laughs> or, you know, like just doing stuff and experimenting with the format because yeah. there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's the same way that R&D experiments with different designs of cards and wizards make standard and modern and all these other kinds of mm-hmm. sort of playable, constructible formats. So I think it'd be fun to hopefully just start walking down that path. Who knows where it leads, but I feel like it can only be good things, especially as the game grows. There are a lot of other ones. I mean, you guys, I mean, are you talking about like something like Canadian Highlander, for example? Yeah, but it's not under the rules committee. It's got their own separate thing and and sort of willy nilly. People are just going out and doing stuff and that's great. And and I think that what that does show is that there is a desire for it. So it'd be awesome to have more people working on it. Right on. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Or like rules? Are, are you? Do you also mean like rules for stuff like secret partners and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean like that. Totally. There you go. That's yeah. a, it's a perfect place to start and sort of maybe issue like here's our official uh, oh, yes. V one of how to play secret partners in EDH. That would be wicked. That'd be great. I mean, I could just refer giant. back to your guys' podcast for that because it was a solid yeah. one. And I don't know. We've been playing secret partners, and it's the best. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really so good. good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm really surprised nobody brought up hybrid mana. I talked about it, and it's like, and everyone I've ever talked to was like, "No, it's fine. Leave it the way it is." It, it and I feel that same way. Yeah, but it's one of those issues that I feel like is pretty evenly split out there. Yeah, Maybe a lot sli- of people. Yeah. There's a at least there's a large section of people that want to make it so that the hybrid mana symbol can be used in either color, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be in both color. Maybe it's not the majority or even evenly split, but it feels like it's a lot. So I'm just surprised nobody brought that up. I I wouldn't either. I'm just saying. 
It's yeah. funny. It's also one of the indicators, uh, one of the greatest indicators of a rift between the RC and Wizards. Yes. Because if you bring it up and, you know, Mark Rosewater is very clear about how he thinks it should be okay because yeah. it's part of either color identity. Mm-hmm. And Sheldon is very, very strict about, no, this doesn't fit. Yeah. A red commander that's only red doesn't know anything about this card that has mm-hmm. blue. Even if it's red and blue. Even if it's red red or blue. Yeah, whatever, right? You should be playing Mizzix anyway. I I feel like the card pool is so large that, like, what's the big deal? We're going to increase it by, like, what, 40 cards maybe? Yeah. You know, 50 cards for any given deck. Like, Mm -hmm. it just feels like, I mean, come on. Like, the card pool is 20,000 cards. The reason, the, the best reason I can think of for, like, keeping it the way it is is because there are cards out there that, you know... Uh, it's a green black color identity it's a green black ability and i shouldn't be able to put it in just one of those colors or even in a deck like a red blue green deck now it has some black in it and it has a black ability in it and like that's not that's not what you're not supposed to be able to do that right mm-hmm. like it, i don't know i can't even it is sort it. of aesthetically on the same level of the nephilim thing sort of a yeah. little bit displeasing i would say yeah maybe that's not a major reason to keep it i don't know i just don't feel very strongly about needing it no i mean so it's just like yeah, but it is interesting. Yep. All right. Well, that is going to do it, guys, for a two-hour podcast. Wow. We solved everything. Yes. We solved everything. But, it, you know, it's true. This is the summit. Uh, maybe we'll have this happen once a year, and there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that we had to talk about and a lot of differing opinions, which is great. Um, it is nice. Thank you for coming on the show, oh, guys, for, for having one. Us. Oh, yeah, thanks. You play in completely different play groups, which is very nice because we... Although we've played... A few times with both yeah. of you yes. now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, let's move on to, to the listeners. Let's ask you guys out there, uh, please let us know what you think of the state of the format. What are your biggest issues facing EDH? Do you agree slash disagree with some of us? Do you uh, think, you have Josh, totally different things that we didn't even talk about? Because yeah, I'm right, sure there true. are issues that we didn't think of or we don't even... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so enlighten us and help us uh, help us help you guys. Help me help you. Help yeah. me help you. <laughs> Is that from N- Naked Gun? No, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> okay. Let me help me. Help wait, you. no, wait. On by a hang very on. Very thin thread. Help me help you. I this. dig that about you. Help me help, help you. you. And then he's Cuba's making fun of him later, and he's like, oh, and you're, help me help you. Uh, help okay. me help okay. you. You're, okay, yeah. gotcha. All right. Yeah, yeah. We're good at movie stuff. Jimmy, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> you complete <laughs> oh my on the command for Phil, pro- Phil proposed oh to me yeah that's so, right Josh know. I can't quit you <laughs> you know what's a Jerry Maguire moment I always think of <laughs> show is, me the money no 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 it's way smaller I okay s- when, sometimes I'll get out of the shower and like I I, I, I won't be able to find Story my towel and I'll go and I'll go that's okay. I air dry. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that to myself all the time. It's the weirdest moment to always think of. Cuba Gooding Jr. is so good in that he's movie. Great. And yeah. he's killing it in this OJ thing, which oh, is yes. my clean note. That's not Actually, no, that is it's our time for final the end step. Moment. It's not the my end step. step. No way. Come on. The, the, OJ, that, the people that versus OJ? Sweet. Yeah, dude. John Travolta, David Schwimmer saying Schwimmer juice. Schwimmer is killing it, Dude, man. Schwimmer and saying juice all the time. <laughs> That's how he refers to OJ Simpson. I'm confused. Is it actually good or is it not good? Because It's both. It's good. It's both. It's good. It's not good, it's but good. it's also therefore good. Oh, so it's so not good that it's actually good? No. Not even really. It's, it's like weird. A seven. Oh, man, it's I'm not so strictly confused. bad. Wow. Me too. Phil. Therefore good. It's like, it's kind of. When should we set the wedding? 
Well, <laughs> let's go see this movie. Set up, save the no, date. No, it's a TV show. It's a series. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's great. John Travolta, Cuba Gooding Jr., David Schwimmer. Oh, man. Do you Nathan know? Lane. Nathan Lane. I'm going to tell a quick O.J. Simpson story. Did I say story. David Schwimmer's in there? I lived in Oregon at the time, but I happened to be in L.A. I was, I think, like 12 or 13, maybe mm. 14. Mm-hmm. And I got caught in the OJ traffic. I just happened oh, to be passing my. through. The Bronco traffic? Yes. I no. just It's just a pure coincidence. I just happened to be with a group that was passing through LA on that day. And we got caught on the five freeway for nine hours. It was just Ooh. dead stop. We literally were out of the van throwing the football in the middle of the freeway for like four hours. Man, wish you had some magic cards, huh? Nine hours might be a slight. Yeah, I wish I did. Might be a slight exaggeration. Wow. But uh, yeah, and it turned out, we didn't know at the time what the heck was going on. It turned yeah. out that was the traffic from the OJ Bronco. Wow. Wow, that's neat. I've never ever met anyone who was like, had yeah. anything to do with that at I all. D- I mean, I didn't live in LA. It's just pure coincidence. I was just happened to be there at that day. Lucky you. Yeah, super lucky. <laughs> wow, that is ridiculous. Um, so that is the end step for... Uh, Good old Andy here. It's a TV show called The People vs. OJ. It's my a- my real one is actually the show, the Stephen King movie oh, yes. series that's on Hulu Dark- right now with Franco in it. Yeah. Oh, What's it called? Okay. Like, oh, it's the time travel one. It's the one date or- one. Mm. It's like yeah. 11, 12, 63 or whatever. The you day don't that even know Kennedy the died. Name I don't know. Because it's a bunch of numbers. I don't know. James Franco. <laughs> you Americans should know. When did, when was Kennedy shot? <laughs> 1963 it's 11-22-63 I was right 63 yeah it's really good I'm really digging it Um, I'm a big Stephen King fan I haven't read this book but I got told a lot to read it and uh, I actually just found out coming here to LA that the, the Hulu has a show and uh, I've been now watching. you don't have it's, to read the book. It's from J.J. Abrams and you know Stephen King and James Franco plays oh, the lead awesome. character and Everyone's it's actually favorite. very good so far I gotta mm. say cool it's got 9 out of 10 on IMDb so that's pretty good wow it's neat. Oh, and wow. Josh Duhamel. 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 <laughs> We're the worst at pronouncing things. Is that Mr. Furry? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, in oh, Joe, I, think, oh right? I ran into Josh Duhamel once uh, on the Universal lot and, and literally a, ran into him. The elevator opened, and he was like looking at his phone and just walked right into me. Wow. Yeah. And then he said... And then nine hours later, you I'm were parked on the, the first floor. What's the first floor? And I was like, "This is the first floor." <laughs> the one, the one with number one in it, man. Yeah, and he was number like, one. "How do I get to my car?" Because the first floor at that place, you couldn't actually get to the parking garage. So I was like, "Oh, you have to go outside and go around." So I was like, "This is nice. this is the first floor. It's my, the one." My driver hasn't told me where my car is. <laughs> <laughs> he was astonishingly good looking, though. I gotta say, mm, wow. Yeah. Mm, cool. He is a very handsome man. Is he yeah. invited to the wedding. Yeah. Tall, I was gonna too. say, Tall yeah. Too. yeah, you can. I don't feel wants him at the wedding. He may yeah. have also not found his car yet. We'll that was see. the best proposal <laughs> yeah. ever. He, might he was on looking. that show looking for a car. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Phil, do you have something cool outside the world of magic for our end step? Why, yes, I do. Although it's sort of actually inside the world. Um, I have, uh, as always, three things. Oh, oh, um, that's right. Yes. So uh, first... Ellie is in Japan, right? Or is it L? L. L. L is in Japan. Oh, right? yes. My girlfriend's in Japan right. and Phil... Knows a lot about Japan oh, because he was just there. Phil does. I'll just let there. you do it. Yeah, Dude, Phil, just there. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm so gonna, jealous. I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend all of the magic stores I went to. I'm gonna tell uh, I have this email started. I'm sorry awesome. I haven't sent it no, yet, I'm but it's like all the places to go and what the each one what each one offers as a specialty. So wow, that is you'll a, get the good hookup there. Yeah, because of course Elle's going to Japan and I'm like, hold on, I gotta text Phil and find out where you need to go to buy yep. my magic cards. <laughs> and she yep. was like, of course. Yep. <laughs> she didn't even. But, she didn't even hesitate. She was like. Yeah, okay. That's true love. That is true, true love. love. True yeah. love. Yeah, that's and great. And 
I'm going to recommend places to eat as well. Yeah, tonkatsu. Uh, yes. Tonkatsu. Oh my! I, my I have to food. send you my favorite tonkatsu place. Uh, I went to one. Was, which one? Send it to me. I forget. It was in this crazy mall that had like this huge. It was. It was actually no. It wasn't in Tokyo. It was in. Oh. Osaka? No, I, I don't know. Oh. I'll, I'll figure it out. Either okay. way, it was a huge, awesome train station that went up all these floors, and it was like on the 14th floor. This wow row of restaurants. There's tonkatsu nothing place. quite awesome. like perfect tonkatsu. It's one of the best things on earth. It's a rare delight. Yeah, I'll recommend. There are two Sweet. places in Tokyo that she can go to that are just highly recommended. They're they're wonderful. I have I, I remember your pictures of it work. on Twitter. Yes, okay. that's right. If you want, I'll so repost jealous. those pictures. What's oh. tonkatsu? Is that breaded, breaded chicken? chicken? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, pork, no, 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 pork, chicken, pork, 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 pork. or chicken. Yeah, pork. but katsu typically chicken pork. Is okay. called. Do you like pork? Yeah. Belly? Do you guys see the look on my face right yeah, now? Yeah. Dude, this is a thing. No, actually, I actually kind of knew it because I yeah, the sushi place. It's like it all perfectly over. fried. <laughs> Pork and with delicious it's, uh, dipping schnitzel. sauce. Oh. This is it's golden fried. <laughs> it's not it's, schnitzel. It's kind of like schnitzel. <laughs> it's pork belly. The Japanese feed their their pigs certain food, and then that oh, turns sake. into types of 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 tonkatsu. Okay. And so oh, you wow. can recommend yeah. regional differences, and oh, they have different cuts word. like the thick cuts and the thin yeah. cuts, and the wow. and then you have to like smash your own sesame seeds oh, and the. It's so I'm getting so, hungry. Sounds yeah. neat. I hope everyone else is too. Smashed. Um, oh, we're only on number two, though. Fry. This is one. This is one. Oh, yeah, yeah. This okay. can be one. We got to move on. Number two. Number two, number two hour long podcast here. <laughs> number two, Josh. Your pictures, your movies about you know from your taken. Sorry, Josh. Your movies taken from your new drone. Fantastic. They are so beautiful. They're wonderfully shot. Um, I you know, and you're able to do this is things the, his, with the his wedding vows speech. Yeah, yeah wow. Well, this isn't recommending <laughs> us anything outside the world of magic. Josh here, is inside the world of magic. My recommendation, just like Jimmy's brother has done, go build your own drone for a hundred bucks, and then take there you sort go. of beautiful pictures. But the other thing is, and I realize, honey, that this sounds very, um, very romantic, but you have an eye for what makes a good shot. <laughs> and well. you're clearly editing it. You should maybe do something uh, in a professional context that lets you work with videos. Oh, this, yeah. Just yeah. recommend <laughs> other jobs. The end step? What is this? The what are we doing right now? Where yeah. one of you guys brings a job recommendation <laughs> to the I will, host. I will, I will talk about the drone on another end step, but it's oh, awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's like my new favorite thing ever. It's and pretty then, awesome. Number then, three. Number three, uh, and this is where uh, you'll see what I meant earlier in the show. You know, we could have brought you back on the show again, but now <laughs> you're going to... Be... Well, so what I've, what I've done is I've brought you... Oh, here's the gift. Oh, gifts. gifts. Oh, I like number three now. This is, uh, <laughs> we're getting stuff. This one is somewhat self-serving because... Oh, I know what this uh, is. These playmats have pictures say... of Phil on them. They do. They're just a picture is of Phil. Is it in your wedding gown? It's, <laughs> it's actually, it's a picture of me. And a picture of Josh, and we're surrounded by hearts. Yeah. Oh my it's, goodness. It's, he's untethering. I'm, I'm unwrapping it. Mats. And of course, we all know what it is. Oh, it's very a nice. Commander wow. MTG podcast playmat. It's for each of you, and of course, oh. Sean. Oh, and oh, yes. he got one for Sean. He's going to love Look at it. That. It's totally self serving. These are really will great. Will you sign mine? I will get a pen if you can oh, sign yes, mine. Oh, yes. I have a Sharpie it. right here. Actually, oh, silver, silver Sharpie, Silver Sharpie. Are you going to sign your oh, own yeah. uh, uh, playmat? Yeah, oh, are no, yours. I'll sign them. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're, you're and, nice. uh, oh, yeah. I do, Everybody sign it. I am, yeah. actually. Everyone it's funny. Signs. So this is like a this is a dream for me, right? Just being with you, you guys and talking about it. Being on the command zone, talking to Andy. Now, twice in two weeks, right? We've had wonderful Some people call that a nightmare. Moving on. Oh, Bit no, of a nightmare. <laughs> so I'm actually going to have you sign the show notes here because oh, I'm that kind of a geek. Oh, you are a geek. And... 
So two more gifts? <gasps> Wait, what? there are more gifts? Yes. More gifts. Phil? Yes. Phil, I you will... can come on the show anytime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? It's not that exciting. You can come on whatever you want. Anytime. Oh, I'm wait available a minute. For I saw the gift. Uh, uh, All right. Uh, so oh, this one. Really? Oh, yeah. this is going to These are again, of burn. again with this? No, this time not for you, sir. <laughs> okay, sweet. Uh, These are KMC Perfect Fit. I know that you don't double sleep. Yes. Even though I've given you what? Two packs? Three packs? I don't know. Um, and so for, for Jimmy. Oh, my goodness. For Andy. You know I was just running out of these. Thank as you. well hey i have a couple yep. of extra packs and oh yeah he's got a couple of extra <laughs> packs um but then these these are gifts josh is um, giving you his ipad this say, is yeah. for our host i'm giving you an ipad Whoops, don't look. and so this is one of the things that uh l will be able to provide you except for the message on the back <laughs> no no so, see, she doesn't there's no way she could like oh so what he's given us wow cool. are the um foil large the uh, Commander cards from Commander 2015. We uh, Jimmy and I both got Mizix in Japanese. In Japanese. How yes. cool. Very That's cool. sick. And there's a and nice little message on the back. Yeah. <clears throat> Jimmy, thanks for all the Commander in. Smiley face, <laughs> Phil. Lovely. Mine says the same thing, except for it says Josh. It doesn't say Jimmy. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I should have put a heart on sense. yours. I'm that. just Sorry. amazed that there is a sleeve that fits these. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, my I friend, like how it's side loading the sleeve. Yeah, it's side not top loading. Oh, my, friend, nice. my friend Butler keeps Sorry, accidentally ordering these from. The, oh, because the, he's like, oh, I want to get a, I want to get this foil version of this. Yeah. Oh, and he doesn't no, check, and he's just huge. like, oh, this one's cheap, wicked, and then he, he gets it. Leaves, yeah. like, what do I do with these? He's got like so many. I'm like, I didn't even know they made oversized yeah. cars for those ones. Like, he's got like commons and stuff. I don't know how he even got them. Yep. That's, That's awesome. And I know we don't generally play with oversized, but um, I'm totally putting this like. So, you know what? This uh, will be, be my commander when no, I play Mizics. No joke. That same friend ordered a commander that's large, and he's just he's like, well, I'm just gonna play with it then. And you know what? It's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm using yeah. this. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Although excellent. people groan whenever I pull out the Mizzix deck, so not that often. Hmm. Um, ah. Okay. Well, listen, you guys are all being lovey dovey and everything. And before <laughs> you guys just start saying goodbye to everyone, I just because I know it might not be coming right away. I just wanted to say thank you guys, the three of you, so much from me and Sean. Uh, and just the commander community in general, you guys are, have been so supportive, oh, absolutely, and been so great in supporting our show. Um, and I just we just can't thank you enough. You guys are the best, and you guys make the best shows. And honestly, like, you know, I don't want to be here all night. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, loving off each other. But you guys are honestly the best and the, the greatest. Mm-hmm. Guys. Thank you. Well, thank yeah, you guys. absolutely. We're Very... fans of your show. We're fans of Commander. We think your guys' show makes Commander as a format better. So we're always going to support that. So did yeah. you bring us gifts, however? <laughs> <laughs> Are there any gifts? Brought you the gift of the correct timing when to say A after stuff. Brilliant. Which you guys yeah. are way off on. So <laughs> I'm going to fix that for you. I'll too. take it. Yeah. Uh, um, speaking of other podcasts that are awesome, our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern with Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. You should definitely go check them out. They talk about modern and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast, or you can find them on rocketjump.com slash the MMCast. Yes. All right. I, I always look at Jimmy. Jimmy, was I right? I was right. You did it. Uh, our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Cards animations. You can find Jeffrey online at, at Living Cards MTG on Twitter, and you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Command Zone podcast. But before we go, Andy Hullbone. At Andy Hullbone, I also have another secret podcast. It's about that show, The Bachelor. It's called The Bachelor Pod. I'm not kidding. Wow. I host, I co-host two podcasts. That one's about gift. magic. The other one's about um, That is the, the gift you have provided us Write tonight. down the Twitter so I can put it on there. Okay, cool. Anyways, that's it. Uh, what? <laughs> Phil DeLuca. <laughs> tell us about... All right, sure. You're not going to tell us about Commander's Brew? 
Oh, yeah, and Commander's Brew, obviously. We already mentioned that. At, at, at Commander's Brew, at Andy Hullbone, at Sean Tavares. Yeah, there you go. Sean, I hope you were listening when he, you got second billing. <laughs> <laughs> Phil. Phil. And uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Ketjak. That's K-E-T-J-A-K. But, of course, the podcast is at Commander in MTG. It's not Commandering MTG, Commanderin MTG. But if you go to CommanderingMTG.com, you will be You'll be redirected. Yep. Yeah. And you should definitely go there and try and get a hold of one of these awesome playmats because it looks pretty sick. Yep. Yeah, cool. they're great. Someday, right now we're giving them out as prizes. Someday, someday, someday we'll get a playmat. I don't know when. Probably like 2019 or so. 2019. 2021, maybe? <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, you have a great logo. You should do it. Yeah, we're lazy. <laughs> on that note <laughs> if you're still listening and I have no clue why you would be but if you are thank you for listening by the way this is we didn't have an episode last week so this counts as two because it's <laughs> currently at two hours and ten minutes oh my wow and we, we could just keep going and make it three guys <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, go. let's talk about the let's prop just keep going things. man <laughs> alright everybody thanks for listening and we'll see you next time peace bye bye For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.